Hey everyone, uh, thanks for joining. Today I am speaking with Jay Shapiro. Jay is a documentary filmmaker and I'm also speaking with Matthew Hines. Matthew is a US expat living in Ireland right now and we're going to be talking about free speech and this, this came from a Twitter thread where I destroyed Jay. Anyways, <laughs> hey guys, thanks for coming on. This is number four for me, right? On your show? Yep. yep. I win. No, you don't. So oh. I just still got five. So you need like you, you need one more just, for, just to tie it up. Yeah. Well, think, thanks for including me. Yeah. Well, yeah, you destroyed me. So where do you want to start? I can try to earn my <laughs> okay, way. Whatever. <laughs> I just want to make sure, because maybe I'm arguing completely against the wrong thing you're saying here, right? So for my take is what you're saying is, and I'm going to use that Biden story as an example. Just I, I, I'd rather not focus on individual cases, but I'm just going to use it as an example right now. That that was pure bullshit. It's a conspiracy theory. And Twitter was Twitter and Facebook were okay to suspend the account, suspend the links to that mm. because it's absolute bullshit. Maybe hold on. Actually, like I, I want to just put like what we're doing here. I think this is cool. Sort of our plan was if we could steel man each other's positions. Yeah. So you yeah, okay, well, go. So I'll, I'll let oh, you try. Yeah. And then Matt, I'm not even sure of yours, so I'm going to try to guess okay, yours. But I'm I'm gonna okay, and I'm gonna prefaces right now because i'm talking about what that twitter thread was and that was the day that this happened so now there's stuff like from you know department of justice and director mm -hmm. of national intelligence saying it is it is not linked to a russian plot or anything like that so i don't you know like so before people start jumping down oh it's this and that based on that twitter thread this is what i'm just what i'm taking take, your takeaway because you started off with a with a hypothetical where the mm -hmm. if the fbi went to twitter or to facebook or whatever to, to went to anyone to pull that story it's a conspiracy, well, not, whatever. Not, not quite. I mean, I could let you finish, but that, or okay. should I let you lay it out and then clean it up? Uh, or? Yeah, sure. I mean, but like, okay, something along those lines where they said this is poses a national security threat or it's false. Mm -hmm. that, like I said, I'm getting this from a Twitter thread. So again, it's, it's Twitter. Yeah, it's, you know? yeah, exactly. Right, we're doing that. <laughs> All right. Um, so you're saying that, that it's conspiratorial and you've got to take it off and they're, oh, they're within their rights to do it to take it off because it's a lie because there's too much conspiracy. People can't tell the truth from facts. Something think, along those lines. I think that's uh, roughly what you're saying. I'm not sure though. I think there was a lot in there that goes much further than what I'm saying. Okay. Um, my, yeah. So my hypothetical was just a, a question of, and yes, this like is a hypothetical. This is not how something may, like the FBI works. Uh, if you're Twitter, if you're a social media company and you have this product that lets people share their opinions and do the thing that they do on these social media companies, uh, uh, platforms, and a story is sort of, you know, going viral and being spread and you've got the data and you see it sort of entrenching the way it does in these things. And then let's say the FBI gives you a call being like, hey, by the way, that story that's like going like wildfire on your site we're investigating it at the moment. And like, there's a pretty high likelihood that it was, you know, it's, 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 we could talk about what disinformation means, but that it contains a lot of information intentionally implanted in the story by literally an enemy of the state to do exactly what it's doing right now. We just wanted to make you aware, not, not the, I'm not saying the FBI asking you to take it down or whatever. I'm okay. just saying you're, you're Jack Dorsey being your, and you get that piece of information, which again, of course, didn't happen exactly that way. Mm -hmm. I'm sure. Um, 
it's a hard problem. My entire point of this conversation, because what you said there, really, you talked about rights. You, I think you confused a lot of legal and moral uh, words that we're going to have to parse in this conversation of what my stance is, because my stance is not some firm, like, here's the magic wand. My stance is that the, the quandary is incredibly real. Like from a, from a moral perspective, we could talk about how to legally parse it, but that doesn't solve anything because we always have to ask, is the law moral? So that won't help us much. Um, but it, it, that, that quandary for a social media company is not an easy solve. And I, now if I could switch to, to my, I think, steel manning your argument, if I could do it, is one, one possible answer to it is to say, well, you, you can admit that this is sort of tricky, but the, the harms of, of any kind of censorship over it outweigh the benefits of it. And the reasons are, if I have this right, that, that you think censoring it not only will amplify the message, which, which of course it does, the, the effect of like what kind of truth are they hiding from me, the Streisand effect, all that kind of stuff, uh, but also it will um, harm people's ability in the future to, to kind of identify and find for themselves what is real news, what is fake news, what is this sort of, that's a point I, I disagree with that we could talk about, but I think that's part of your argument that this actually sort of paternalistic, don't let people see it, actually will dumb them down to future sort of like parsing what is real and what is, what is fake. And ultimately we just, we can't even wade our toe into something like the social media censorship game. Uh, not even from a, from a, legal perspective, which we could talk about whether they have the right to do it is a whole different question legally, but whether they should do it morally, your answer is a pretty firm no in all cases because of what I just laid out there. And, and therefore, and I think, and so my only sort of criticism of, of the point is that I don't, and it might even be the right answer. I'm not even like disagreeing that, that that's like the best we could do. But what I'm always trying to do in these conversations is at least remind people who take that position that I think you're taking is we have to admit that there is still um, a huge problem with that answer. Allowing the story, a story like that or other stories like that to run wild. This is just an inherent open problem of sort of an unfettered free speech position always. Um, yeah. And so, so that, I think that's the specific sort of like where, you know, we can get into rights and whatever mm -hmm. stuff that we could talk about to mix legal and moral conversations, although I think they're, they're better left separate, but that's always sort of my point that this is a real quandary. And when you get that call from the FBI, or even if you don't, because frankly, again, with the specific Biden story, it's so, it's so obviously like full of bullshit that, uh, even Fox News passed on it. I'm sure you've seen that at this point, like Fox News is here and New York Post is here, that you don't have to get that call from the FBI if you're Jack to have the moral quandary of like, hmm, what should I do about this piece of information? Um, and, and my point is really, it's just like, it's not, it's not an easy answer, whichever way they go. Now, again, I'm saying a lot here, I know, to put my, my the problem in what people are so upset about all the time with something like Jack in particular, Twitter or Facebook, whatever it is, is the inconsistency. It looks like bias. They seem to just be flailing and trying different things every time they see it. That's a mess and they need to clean that up. And we totally agree on that. But if we could, if we were sitting, if you and I were advising Jack on what to do, I think we would have different answers. And that's what I'm interested in talking about.
Okay. There. Um, yeah. I mean, you're more or less right. And again, like when I was talking about rights and stuff like that, okay, I think I was reading a little bit too much into what you're saying, but I did want to mention that. Like, I think we should separate free speech as a law and free speech mm-hmm. as a principle because there's two different things. If you don't have that principle, you don't get the First Amendment. And I actually saw something last night. Um, it was, I can't remember what, it might have been University of North Carolina, um, mm-hmm. but it was uh, Greg Lukianoff and two other professors, and they were talking about free speech on campus. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Lukianoff had made this point, and it's something I've been saying, something similar, but he did a lot better than I did. It is because the First Amendment is such a good law, which it is, I think it's the best law on the books to protect free speech. But because it's so good, you for, people are forgetting the principle and are conflating free speech with the First Amendment. The First Amendment is not the end-all and be-all of free speech. Mm-hmm. And you, if you don't have that strong principle, okay, I'm gonna, going very far off a field here, and I'll, give you a, I'll get, let you jump in here, Matt. No, just let me, hypothetically here, okay, Biden wins, uh, the Democrats both the houses go like really strong blue. Like they get, you know, more than two thirds majority in both the houses. Uh, this is a very far-fetched hypothetical. Like, you know, then they get three quarters of the state legislatures go blue. You have, you have what you need to amend the constitution at that point. So if in society, the principle that, not even the marketplace, like I like the, the marketplace of ideas or whatever, but, if you want to get to an objective truth that we can all have, you have to have that ethos in the society where all views, no matter how ludicrous should be allowed. I mean, you know, if all of humanity minus ones of a one opinion, that one needs that voice. Now that's why I think the social media, I mean, when they came on, they said they were our town square. They, I mean, they, they build themselves as that. Right. And if you read their fucking terms and services it's always about the harm that is done to societies and that is that repressive tolerance bullshit now i think they should be the town square like if you're walking down the street and someone you know whatever makes fun of your pants i mean i'm taking a very innocuous thing right on twitter or on facebook there are people who get upset when someone makes fun of their clothing that's a very innocuous thing now if they say that causes me harm blah 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 that because i'm going far afield like you we shouldn't be thinking like that. We shouldn't be teaching people that there is stuff that you shouldn't hear. We should, we should have been teaching people more critical thinking, which we got away from. We should have been teaching people how to evaluate stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not, I, I yes, I, but there are, I, I mean, again, if you were to ask me what limits to put on, and I know I said it, don't conflate the two, but because we have that law, I think the limits that the first amendment sets would be perfect for social media to follow. And, and you can give certain caveats. Like right now, like I've received from both Twitter and YouTube where tweets of mine and a video I did are not allowed in Pakistan. Mm-hmm. Now that's not Twitter doing that. That's the Pakistani government. Of course. Okay. I'm not upset at Twitter for that. And if you get upset at Twitter for that, you're stupid because it's the mm-hmm. Pakistani government. Oh, you're, you're carrying your message. Big, big deal. They're letting you know. Okay. I've seen Yasmin and I've seen a couple other people get it from like Germany and Austria. This tweet has broken those laws. Again, that's Germany and Austria. That's not Twitter. Get mad at them. Try to get them to change their laws. 
that's the way I think Twitter should operate. That's the way I think Facebook should operate. Well, they're trying to. I, w- I want to hear Matt's position before. Yeah. I'm, I'm so, taking sorry. I yeah, I, I've been rambling too I'm much. I'm not sure of Matt's, Matt's position, but I have a lot to respond to there. So I'm going to have some notes. Um, no, I think uh, I'm probably closer to Jay, but I'm probably a little bit in the middle of the two of you. Um, but what, the one thing I was just going to mention is the, the or two things. The, the First Amendment, first of all, is the principle, right? It's very simple. It is just the principle. How it's, in, how it's it been implied after that fact is the Supreme Court applying the First Amendment. Right? The First Amendment just says you have freedom of speech. It doesn't say what freedom of speech is or anything else, right? That's all been applied after the fact by the Supreme Court decisions that have come about that, right? Um, so what we're relying on is laws and um you know and supreme court decisions to you know and you know, obviously the, the more the supreme court goes certain ways it will apply those laws in in different different ways as we go right so um i think that you know that's already in place you know the, the principle is already there from the start you know and um but and then the second thing i was going to say um is uh, around um I don't really believe that there's there is absolute free speech, right? I mean, I, and I don't think that most people who uh, who you know um, talk about the principle that much, like, really, really believe that there's an absolute free speech, right? I mean, like, like the laws that they're not really arguing that the laws that are in place right now, if that's all we relied upon, like you just said, like if we just relied on the laws that were in place, you'd be happy with that. Right, the laws that are in place are restrictions on freedom of speech, right? Um, you know, and rightly so. There's, yeah, but um, I think there's a fear on the side of people who who are adamant about free speech that if they allow any further censorship than what is the than what is you know the the letter of the law, then that opens the door for okay. Well, if you believe that some censorship is okay, then why not all of my censorship, right? And why not all of this person's censorship? So why why aren't you know those okay when you think some's okay and not okay, right? So then you have to take the position. Well, I don't think anything's okay, right? Um, but then nobody believes you because you're saying, well, the truth is you do believe some things are okay to, to, for speech to be limited by. You just don't believe it should be. You know, you should believe it should be as limited as possible, right? yeah. and I think that's where I fall. Like I, I agree with that position. Like I think there should be there's certain things that we all agree, and if we enshrine them in law, you know, and if we want to make new laws to add more, then at least we're having a conversation between. It's ideally, you're having a conversation between you know both Republicans, Democrats, whoever's are in the government, and they decide. You know, if the government is working properly, which it hasn't been for years, but assume it, you know, it works as it should, then you have a dialogue, you both, you know, come to some sort of middle ground and you agree that here's a new law that, that, that restricts it, right? Or at least an interpretation based on the Supreme Court. But um, the, uh, <clears throat> so I think it's okay to admit that there's some restrictions on free speech that should be allowed, you know, and then um, and it's not just free speech, that, you know, for all the freedoms, um, which I, I mentioned that in the thing, but I do think there's a conflation that happens between free speech, freedom of expression, mm. and freedom of thought, right? And uh, when these arguments happen, people throw out all three all the time. Like, you know, they, they'll say, like, you know, uh, you know, somebody will say, oh, well, you know, um, we should have some restriction on free speech. And then somebody will say, well, don't tell me how to think. 
<laughs> and you're like, well, no, I, I'm not telling I'm not talking about free thoughts, right? <laughs> and then you know, somebody's like, well, but somebody, I should be able to, to show up and have a sign that says, this. okay, well, that's freedom of expression. That's not freedom of speech, you know, or they could be, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if, if I have a sign that has a picture on it, you know, that's freedom of expression. If I have a sign that has text on it, then that's well, freedom we, of speech. Yeah. You know, and so it, there's... I think it's a. I think it's a really, really good. I mean, I wanted to jump in on. on we've yeah. we've now all mentioned the First Amendment, and I think we're getting it wrong. Actually, <laughs> maybe you guys are. <laughs> I'm not. It, it's it, the principle is there. I definitely agree. The principle of freedom of speech is there on some abstract, you know, philosophical John Locke, John Stuart Mill kind of way. Yes, it's there, but it's not written. It's not written as free speech. It's written as a negative law it's written about not abridging free speech we have to be really careful about this here yeah. about how we talk about this it's that law and frankly the the supreme court has been fairly consistent about this throughout the history of the entire country even given jim crow all these like awful ways to apply it it's been about coer- it's it's been about not passing certain laws that abridge your free speech mostly that is interpreted as co- outlawing coerced speech that you can't be forced into speech that you do not agree with. This obviously gets very muddy when you're talking about religions and you're talking, and which is also in the first amendment. We cannot forget that it's about, you know, establishment of religion, et cetera. But it just, just to like, if we can, because what Matt was bringing up about the conflation of expression versus what is speech versus what is expression versus what is um, thought, that, that is the central point here. And I'm curious, I'll throw this back to you in a minute, Obai, because I'm curious, you were sort of throwing the like, evaluation of harm with speech under the bus. And and I think we have to resurrect it because I don't know how else you evaluate it. Um, But uh, on that one point, the most recent case that got all the attention of the the Masterpiece Cake Shop case, the gay wedding cake shop in, Mm. in, um, (laughs) I called it, it it refused to actually sell. Uh, That that, uh, opinion I thought was written really well, actually. The, The cake shop won the case. Uh, and a bunch of libertarians thought this was some sort of like win for business. It had nothing to do with that. It was a free speech case. Yep. And the central issue that it was about was the, was the First Amendment. And he was claiming his First Amendment rights were being uh, violated because it would be considered coercion of his speech to, to, to engage in speech um, that he did not agree with fundamentally because of his religion in this case, whatever it is. And the, the weird question about that that came really interesting ways into the surface of that question was, is a cake, and in this case, a custom cake, mm-hmm. is that application of art, if you call it that, an act of speech? And ultimately in a 5-4 decision, they decided, yeah, like that's speech and so it's protected. Now, what we're gonna get into, I'm sure, is monopolies and public goods, like you, you brought up the public square idea of social media and all that kind of stuff. The complication there, and maybe the best argument would have been of like, well, this cake shop has a monopoly over all, you know, wedding buyers in the town. And so now there's another public good or public entity kind of conversation we need to have. And now the rights of the of the couple that was trying to get this cake as being a bridge. Obviously that wasn't the case. There was other shops around, so that doesn't fly so much. And so ultimately the cake shop won, won the case on this narrow thing that pretty much defined that if you are making a custom cake as an artist, this is an act of speech. Um, and interestingly, if for people who know the details of it, 
he would have been forced to sell them a cake already on the shelf that he already made, yep. like a generic cake. And they came down pretty firmly on that. That would have been discrimination against their, their rights. But he, he was, he, it would have been a violation of his First Amendment rights to apply his speech making a cake. That, like that's the way that we get that detail that Matt was bringing up of how you carve these lines between expression and speech and, think, and all that kind of stuff. So I'll throw it back to you, Abai, because I mean, my questions to you are about how else you evaluate what speech is allowed in, in, in society okay. or something like social media. No, no. Can, can I put child porn up there? And if you're saying no, I, I, I believe you're evaluating a kind of harm that's being done. So I don't know how else you evaluate okay. it other than a harm principle. I'm not saying that evaluating based on does this cause harm or not is a bad thing. I'm saying that hmm. idea of repressive tolerance and how they're defining harm and how that's being used is wrong. Okay. okay? Yes, child porn causes harm, but it's not in and of itself that someone's posting child porn. You've got a child that's being sexually abused in that video. That's a, there's what a crime. What, what if it's computer generated? Let's just like try to flatten the variables. Do you think that, do you think promotion of child porn with no child being harmed if it's computer uh, should, all, should, should, be they, should be allowed? Yeah. I would think, I think it's disgusting. There's no child <laughs> being harmed. And, but I don't, like, again, there's no child being harmed. Mm-hmm. And people are going to think I'm a disgusting person for this. I wouldn't watch it. I wouldn't let my kids watch it if I had kids. I wouldn't promote it, but I would not. Okay. Yes, it's a disgusting image, but you can see someone getting fucking decapitated. You can see tentacle porn online, right? It's, it's, complete, it's completely made up. Yeah. I'm saying should, should Twitter regulate that? I know I, you I wouldn't watch it. You wouldn't. We can yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't think you should. And again, like okay. what you said about the, what you said about the first amendment, that's what I was getting at with the principle. The principle of first free speech is different. Than the, the first amendment is built on that principle. It's built on Milton mill Locke, you know, Voltaire. It's built on their thinking like without, and, and if, if you kind of follow it, it wasn't until about the 20th century when they really started making decisions on that. And what you said is correct. Like the, it doesn't guarantee you the right to go out and say whatever you want. It guarantees you the right that the government won't infringe your speech. It, it's not it, quite that simple, really. Okay. okay. If you want to get into the, the whole, like what it does and what it doesn't. Okay. And Matt, when you're talking about limits, okay, you're a software engineer. Now I work in it. I work in hardware. If you're setting up a firewall, one of the first things you do is you want allow allow any rule you don't put a deny any rule at top and then because you you block everything then so my limits on free speech again i think the limits the first amendment puts when it comes to opinion the moon is made of green cheese i should be allowed to say that day in day out it's all false it's bullshit it's i'm completely lying to people i'm spreading disinformation you know like Mm -hmm. i'm gonna make some people believe that and that is going to cause some form of harm to them. It's going to make them stupider. They're not, well, okay, no, but it, it, I'm taking a very, very minute case here, right? But it's going to make them dumber in some way, right? If they yeah. believe that. Now, should that be allowed? Well, yeah, but if the counter is, I don't know if Matt, you have another one, but I mean, yeah, you brought up the moon is made of green cheese. I, immediately, I don't think there's a way to escape this, but immediately you're doing a harm evaluation and you're like, yeah, it's really minimal harm. And so it's allowed. Okay, no, We're no, always what, doing no, that math. Okay, but I'll take it yeah. one step further, sir. I'll take it. Okay. Yeah. No, no, not even one step further, but okay. This Biden sure. hard drive or whatever, right? Right away, okay, they blocked it because they said we don't like the way it was sourced. 
the FBI last night, DOJ last night, said that we don't find any Russian involvement in this. The, the, Director, first of all, that, that's like not not out or confirmed yet. You should, I mean, put a pin in that because you're going to re- release this in a week. I mean, okay. there's going to be, yeah. Okay. I mean, literally okay. Fox News passed on it. Rudy Giuliani has been working with these Ukrainians. Okay. Like, oh, no, 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 no. The director of national intelligence was on Fox News. Yes. <laughs> okay. And he said that there is no evidence of collusion from Russia. There's no evidence that this was a Russian plot. Now, if you're saying otherwise, that you're saying either he's lying or you've got some information that he doesn't. Maybe David Frum does. I don't know. But you're, you're engaging in conspiracy now. Okay. This is from the director of national intelligence. And I'm sorry, I'm going to take his word <clears throat> over yours, even though I know you and I don't know him. And I believe okay. you're trustworthy. Okay. So where do you stop now then? So then that the New York Post should not have their Twitter account blocked or suspended because they tweeted out their story. Okay, and can you okay if you want to do the like? Yeah. Sorry, I'll just the conspiracy theory thing. And like, I know you're concerned about this, and I yes, there's too much shit out there. But blocking this, and again, Mm -hmm. we can we can discuss this later. But I'm just going to throw this out there. But blocking this, or blocking anything like this. Okay, forget the moon is green cheese, but blocking stuff like this. You know Faisal, you can speak with him. You have access to other people you can speak to. Speak to people who grew up in Soviet, the Soviet Union. Speak to people who grew up in the Eastern Bloc. The conspiracy theories that come out there because no one trusts the media because it's government-owned. And if people start seeing like this, and, they, and this stuff, like, I, when I was working overseas, I saw it. Like, I saw a report of a rocket attack in Kandahar. Absolutely nothing was going on. I saw the reporter reporting on it, and I saw it on story i saw it on the news later on cnn and everything he said was absolute bullshit i was in haiti when there was hurricane thomas and i ta- i saw this cnn reporter reporting about the torrential rains and he's live and i looked out my window when i'm in port au prince and it's a light drizzle okay like people have been seeing this more and more so the reason there's more conspiracy series is because they're seeing this bullshit and they're seeing it being exposed and it is coming from like you said it's not they're not doing it balanced. Like, you know, uh, Yasmin had this happen to her. Uh, a couple other ex-Muslim women happen to happen. They get rape threats. They post the rape threat. They get a 30-day suspension from Facebook for posting the rape threat. But the person who sent the rape threat gets nothing. People see these inconsistencies. Okay. Keep, yeah, if you want to have those laws, if you want to have those policies, it has to be equal across the board. And right now, when the Depe- director of national intelligence is telling you there is no Russia conspiracy, every person who put out those stupid tweets saying there is a Russia conspiracy, that is now a conspiracy theory. That is spreading disinformation coming from someone who is reliable, at least someone who's got access to information that we don't. So why aren't those accounts suspended until those tweets are deleted? Like people see this. So this is where, like, if you want to talk about the harm it does and causing, like, like I said, I don't like the repressive tolerance version of harm. And we can talk about what that means, but this is actually creating misinformation. This is creating distrust. The fourth estate has no trust anymore from anyone. I trust Mm -hmm. individual journalists. I don't trust the New York times. I don't trust any of these organizations. But you trust the New York post. I don't trust the New York Post. I'm not saying this is true. I'm not making a truth claim. Yeah, he, just saying, he, he just says it just shouldn't be. It just shouldn't be blocked. Shouldn't exactly. Be yeah, yeah. I, I, kind of, I, I agree actually uh, uh, on that level. I, I, mean, I, I don't think it should have been blocked. I mean, I, I think um, you 
need to have, I, mean, I, I kind of outlined, outlined what I think social media people should do in the document that we got shared with you guys. But mm-hmm. um, effectively, I think the, the social media companies, they have, they have two problems. So I would like, or they have one problem, one really big problem, and then one really big opportunity, I think. And it's all based on the same thing. They just have, they have such a massive amount of data, billions and billions of posts, right? Um, that there's, in some ways, there's no way they can police it, right? Um, or at least no way they can police it in the way they're trying to police it, which is like, you know, which they have no consistency in doing, right? Um, so, but then the flip side of that is never in the history of the world has any group had so much information to actually go on to be able to create algorithms to find and preempt, um, you know, stuff going on, right? You know, so in the past, you know, it was, you had to have, you had laws in place, you know, and then if, if somebody published something that was fake or whatever, then the laws would take it. You could then sue them for defamation. You could, you know, but these were post fact, right? You know, that you, you could do something after the fact, um, but somebody could still publish whatever they wanted, right? Um, you know, but now it's the first time where we have, like, these companies actually have the ability to preempt stuff, to, you know, to say, okay, I'm not going to, we're not going to show you this beforehand, right? So, you know, but those, that they have to be really careful with that, you know, because obviously it can be taken too far. Or whatever. So my feeling on that for them is, they're certainly not equipped to make these decisions, right? Mm-hmm. There are software engineers like me, they're, whatever, they're, they're just not, they don't have philosophers and, and psychologists and whatever mm-hmm. making these decisions, right? Which they need to have, right? You know, and they're not going to have them, right? So they shouldn't make those decisions. So they should then, in my opinion, they should rely on the industries of which those places come, the sources they come from, right? So, you know, the, there is a journalistic ethics code, right? You know, and you know whether journalists, whether the newspapers follow it or not, is a different story. But there's a, there's sort of a code out there. So now, the social media companies have something to go on. They can say, okay, here's the code that people in your profession agree to. So we're going to try to make sure that all of the all of the sources follow this code. If it doesn't, it's going to get a red flag, right? So if you're going to post something that is from a source that doesn't follow these journalistic ethics, you're going to get a red flag. We're not going to censor it, but we're not going to tell people this is untrustworthy. Right. You know, and then, you know, if it comes, if it follows the, the industry standard and, you know, and follows these things, then we'll put a green thing and says, okay, this is verified and you should, you should be able to trust this. Right. And whether that comes from, and then, you know, all of these, there's, there's several industries that have these ethics codes, right? There's a, there's a medical industry that has medical ethics. And you could apply these several filters, right. For each of the different, you know, and each, and it should come, in my opinion, it should come, the request for verification should come from the poster, not from the reader. Yeah. Right. So, the, the, you know, and, and because, the, and because they want their thing to be trusted, right. You know, if, if you have this thing in place of some things are trustworthy and some things are not, now you have incentive to make yours more and more trustworthy because if people are going to say, Oh, listen, why don't I'm not going to believe that. Right. It doesn't have a green flag on it. Right. Then you're like, okay, well, I have to make sure my thing has a green flag. Therefore I have to follow these rules. And therefore, you know, like, yeah. you know, so, I mean, that's at least, well, the, that's it, where I think they have to go because they, there's no way they're going to be able to create enough rules to do that. Right. No, you know? yeah. So it's, just, just it's, it's not going to happen. 
Yeah, two points. One is this is why all the social media companies are desperately asking to be regulated. I mean, because they just don't want yeah. this job anymore. They're desperately asking the government to declare them what I think, oh, by you're suggesting that they are a public entity or a town square. So then they will be regulated as one because they just don't want this goddamn job anymore because it's a headache that they suck at clearly and they don't know yeah. what to do with it. Uh, I, I think it's a bit of a cop out, as you're saying, like, Matt, like, just like man up, like figure out a policy and stick to it and, and be moral about it. And they're failing at it. They just want out of this game. It's certainly not good for their look. They're worried about their bottom line, just like falling through the through the, the floor one day. Um, but the, the second thing, yeah, that you mentioned about what's so kind of funny and ironic is that we're on here kind of like giving, I don't think any three of us, by the way, for anyone who's listening, think that Twitter did the right thing here. I think all three of us are like, they shouldn't have banned the thing. And I never, and I never supported that also. But, and I actually agree with you, Matt, like they were sort of going down the path of like flagging stuff of like, this isn't sourced well, Facebook was playing with that. Seems like the right path, I agree. And that again is sort of kicking the can being like, hey, the New York Post, it, it's also a ton of work, but it's funny that none of us are actually all that mad. It seems that like the New York Post for like putting out a, a let's say a very questionable story that even Fox News has passed on. They had a Hannity producer write the yeah. thing, literally a la like a laptop in a Delaware thing. Biden lives. I mean, there's just so everything is fishy about it, but none no, of I us totally are like am. bashing the New York yeah. Post. I mean, we, we can't. Yeah, you are. I know, Matt. But like most of us are like, should have Twitter, should Twitter have done this to it? And we're like, wait a minute. The New York Post was the one who put that shit in the water. And now Twitter is the one who's getting like bashed for not dealing with the poison right. that they put in the water in the first place. It is this, like the ecosystem okay. is such a disaster there. Yeah. Here's my thing. But there's no policing, sorry. There's no policing in any of these industries. Like, yeah. well, there's none. No, yeah. You know, like, yeah, no, there's, there's no journalism police, which makes okay. people yeah, follow can, the journalistic code. Sorry, like, can, can I, I know about, cause journalism police sounds incredibly frightening and it should because, because another possible solution that we could talk about the three of us when we're brainstorming is, man, this is a really hard problem. How do you regulate free speech in this crazy environment? And then we say, well, the best we can do is like, we'll elect people that we sort of trust and like to do that job for us. And then if we don't like how they're doing that, we'll elect someone else and put them in there. That's all. That's a path that Obad's oh, shaking his head. I know oh, that's a path that countries have got, gone down. That is also like every, but, but I just want to, I, I agree. And I think I, it's always my, my game when I jump in to your conversations about free speech, Obide, is to just point that this is not so simple. And you know, I just bristle when people are like, here's the answer, unvetted free speech, or here's the answer, no speech. I'm like, no, actually, like this is incredibly complicated and none of the paths are all that pretty. And when we talk, start digging into solutions, I know we're not there in the conversation yet about education and how people can get better at spotting fake news themselves or bullshit news and whatever the harms we can get into all that. That's the part that I think you and I disagreed on Obaid about how do we get out of this problem ultimately in the very future casting. Okay. But in the immediate, it's a fucking thorny problem no matter what you do. Policing the journalists also sounds like, okay. okay. It's, it's an absolute yeah. fucking nightmare. I don't know when you got into software engineering, Matt. I don't know when you took the courses or whatever. Um, I, I started working in IT in the late nineties. And when I was taking, and I, and I you know, went and took, like I, I worked in it for a few years then because the company I was working for closed down, I went and got my Microsoft search. So when I was taking the certs, like I just got them to have the pieces of paper, right? I was taking these classes. I started getting into news groups and stuff. Just, you know, these guys are fucking geeks. Like, you know, like I hung out with everyone in high school. I played D and D. I went to the computer room to game. I hung out with the potheads and the jock. I hung out with everyone, right? Like these guys are fucking geeks. 
the news groups and all that were the people on the fringes who got bullied in school, who got attacked. It might have been some trans kids. I mean, it's still a tiny population. You know, you know people from strict religious backgrounds, whatever. And they made those, for them, that was a place they could talk to other people like them. And then that evolved into social media. I mean, the, hmm. the guys who started making social media were these fucking geeks. And they made these things that they were, they were going to think it was like their you know, curated little news groups and chat rooms that they had where they could be quote unquote safe. But then they let the world in. And I'm sorry, the world is an awful fucking place. There, there's so much shit out there. But I'm not saying I want lies and deceit and I don't want anyone. And I know the problem right now. Hmm. But like I said, I've been seeing this. Like Before I left to go overseas for the couple of years, right after 9-11, the talk around Islam was really stupid. And there was a lot of bullshit from the media. And there was a lot of lies and obfuscation. Then I went overseas and I would see some of the reporting about like places I was, the war zones I was in and places. I'm like, that's a direct, you know, that's an out and out lie. And by about the Obama years, more and more because social media was getting bigger and more and more people started seeing it like, you know, whatever. I, I don't want to sound like fucking those idiots or red pilled or whatever, but people started seeing this bullshit and it became more and more exposed. And the more you expose that, that's when you're going to get the conspiratorial thinking. I mean, we've always had it. The National Enquirer sold for how long? Like, I mean, you know, you had those fucking stories in the news, in the at the checkout stand, in the grocery stores. You had National Enquirer. You had all those, all that bullshit. You know, like Elvis impregnates woman yeah. in Iowa for Christ's sakes. Like we've had this bullshit, but social media is accelerating it. Um, you know, with you had the same arguments about the printing press, how you're going to make people dumber, that you can spread out all this disinformation. This is at a much larger scale. But, okay, I don't want to get you, like you said, you know, we can talk about solutions and all that later, but this is not just a free speech issue. This is, I think free speech is underpinning a lot of it. And mm -hmm. free speech, free thought, free expression, all of it. Like, I don't see how you can have thought if you don't have free speech, but whatever. Um, like, the... You know, if you look at what, like, Lenore Skenazi with Free Range Kids, you look at what Haidt and Lukyanov talked about, like, starting in the mid-'80s, like, how they started teaching the kids. It was all told on, again, that idea of repressive tolerance, which, in a nutshell, comes down to it is not enough to give marginalized voices a stage. Free speech is used by those in power and those that control the narrative to keep marginalized voices down. So anything that can cause them quote unquote harm. And they say, if you're offended, you're harming. Them. Okay. Mm -hmm. you, you can see that over and over and over again in why they're censoring things. I mean, I can give you a couple like that. Charlie Hebdo, when the trial happened, the woman from Charlie Hebdo was speaking to sky news in the UK and she held up the picture of the, the picture, like the, the, the cover of Charlie Hebdo and right away they censored it. Oh, we yeah. don't want to offend and harm our Muslim viewers. Mm -hmm. Right. It is that shit that's been pushed down the throats of kids you you've had kids being less and less independent and given independence and given uh chances to grow and learn responsibility you're always told to go to mommy and daddy for a solution like that's what it, it's been pushed that way so then okay when when social media started coming out when the internet started going i i loved it i thought google was great i mean the, the, like i'm an information junkie i want to know everything 
And I, but then you start seeing the way they curtail everything. And it, it, it becomes so blatant that you're, you're going to get conspiratory theories. You're, you're not, this is the, all these conspiracy theories, where we are, where no one trusts anyone, where everyone has their own truth. It's because of this shit. And it's because you've taught people that, quote unquote, if you hear something that bothers you, that's causing you harm. And it's not. You're not creating healthy kids. You're not creating healthy societies. I have a friend of mine. I spoke to him a couple of times on my show. He's a counselor in the UK. People come to him with anxieties like, I've lost my job, overweight, blah, blah, blah. I'm white. I have anxiety because I'm white. And they're in their 20s. This is not fucking healthy. And it's and so, yes, but you cannot fix any of this if you don't have that open exchange of ideas. And if you were talking about absolutists, I'm not an absolutist. I don't think death threats are allowed. I don't think slander should be allowed. I, I'm talking about an exchange of opinions and ideas, but and the best way to get at truth is to have that exchange. And yes, we can look and we can laugh at Alex Jones saying that, you know, lizard uh, child molesting lizard men are coming up from the center of the earth to take your kids and the Democrats are behind it. You can laugh at that idiocy. But if you try to cover it up and hide it, there's going to be some small set of people who say, see, it's true. Mm-hmm. And the next time something happens, you're like, remember Alex Jones? Okay. Where's Milo right now? No one knows anything about Milo, but okay. I know I brought him up, but he still comes up in the conversation because he was censored. Laura Loomer, same thing. These people become they martyrs. Come up if they weren't censored. Yeah, I mean, for okay. some people, of okay. course. Yeah. No, but I mean, it's it's they 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 point to it. They're little data points. What I'm saying is, the David Irving should not have been put in prison. Okay, the reason he was put in prison is because of things like the Loire Gesso, where it's illegal to talk about the Holocaust. People mm-hmm. don't learn about the Holocaust anymore because it's illegal to talk to deny it. So well, why should we true. learn about it? I mean, that's not true. You just know that's not true. I mean, that statement's not. People learn about the Holocaust. Well, like, like, they crazy. learn about the Holocaust, Germany. but I, they don't go into I, the details. I don't think it's. I know. I don't think it's a good law, but let's not overplay the hand of the harms of restrictions. I don't think it's a good law at all. I don't like right. the hate speech okay. laws at all. But let's not overplay the hand. Is what I'm always. I'm always doing that. These these are thorny. Pro- I mean, I think you threw a lot on the table there, yeah. and I think you conflated two really different things. One about um, yeah, a not so veiled rant on sort of the left wing obsession over harm and the and the, the moving of the goalposts of what constitutes harm. Therefore, I mean, it, again, we all agree that we're, I think all three of us are pretty horrified by seeing um, certain voices on the woke left and the far left starting to equate free speech as a right-wing position, I think all three of us are terrified by that conversation. So like we can, we can, we could bracket that one as yes, but you, I don't think going down that rabbit hole you just did with, with that path answers the questions, the harder questions. Those are the, in some ways the easy ones because what is not in the first amendment text that you think is, is a well-written law. And I think it's a great principle, but it's a very vague law. There is nothing about harm in that law. They are not pointing to harm in the text of the First Amendment and then getting it out. They're using what we're talking about here of how to evaluate which speech ought to be abridged, et cetera, um, because of the harm. And it's, so it's like a secondary kind of conversation. You're not going to solve the problem you just talked about um, by looking at the first amendment and, and I don't, and, and no one's You don't need to repeal the first amendment or change the first amendment or the constitution or anything like that in order to 
I don't know. Again, that's why I said the First Amendment's a law, and it's the best law there is there, but the principle is stronger. The principle of free speech covers that idea. There's a reason the law is not written the way the principle that that you love. There's a reason that it's written as a very limited, we're saying cautious, negative law of where you cannot abridge. It's not telling you what you can say. It's telling you who can, who is not allowed to step in and prevent you from saying something or for actually, let me clean that up, force you to say something that you don't agree with or participate in something you don't agree with. It's it's the government. It, it, It doesn't have like, you know, you have a private club, right? You know, mm-hmm. uh, Jay's Bowling Association, right? Or Twitter, sorry. Okay. Whatever, whatever, <laughs> whatever, but you, you have a private yeah. club. Okay? Yeah. In your private club, you are not allowed discussing pineapple on pizza. Now, if I join your club, okay, you know, again, I'm using stupid, like, you know, because I don't want to, yeah. okay? I join your club. Mm-hmm. I agree to those terms. You are not the government. You're not forcing me to join your club. You're not. Yeah. But if I want to join your club, I have to sign. Okay. And I'm agreeing to that. You're not putting a gun to my head. I'm doing all my own free will. And then if I come into your club and start putting out recipes for pineapple pizza, (laughs) you have every right to kick me out. I agree. That I agree with there. The first amendment. Yes. It's about, it's about, they, they did it because of, so but, they were afraid of tyrants. They did it because they didn't want the government infringing on what I know. But but I, but I want to throw something in there too. I mean, I'm not I'm not accusing you of cherry picking your examples here. But you change the details in ways that are important. Pineapple on pizza. There's no law that protects uh, or outlaws discrimination against people who put pineapple on pizza. There are laws that per, that protect people who get discriminated against their uh, sexual preference or something. So even, so it's illegal actually for me to set up a club that's going around and, you know, uh, wants to like kill, kill gay people or something and you okay. join it or we threaten gay people all day. That's actually, that, that's, okay. that, that is out of bounds. We can think it again, okay, you know, freedom but, 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 uh, of thought as Matt said, but we threatening, can't threatening people, Threatening people with violence is against the first amendment. Okay. Exactly. Okay. I'm. I'm not talking or, about. Or okay, even look. joining a joining a hate group, uh, joining a terrorist group that that holds certain ideals is also, even if it's a private group or something. There are certain. There. This is why in the masterpiece cake shop thing, they would. You cannot deny the service to sell them because of their homosexuality a cake that's already made on the shelf. Okay. Because that's leaning on the discrimination okay, against no, gay but, people. Okay, but but hold on a second. So the pineapple thing no, is no, no, is no, no, a, no. The, the, the pineapple detail. thing. I, 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 the reason I bring up the pineapple thing. Okay, if I had said you started up a, a, a club and you weren't going to let gay people join your club, right? Okay, that not letting gay people join your club is against the law. I'm saying you're letting anyone you want join the club. Yeah, yeah. You're saying in your club, this speech is not allowed. You are not the government. You are not taxpayer funded. You are not public. You're not whatever. It is Jay's private bowling club. You know, it's your bowling alley. Anyone who wants can come in and bowl. Anyone mm-hmm. who wants to do whatever you want. But people who are members of your club in your bowling alley cannot talk about pineapple on pizza in the club meetings. Right. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Like you can, you can set it all like that. You can do whatever. That's fine. But okay. I'm not saying anything about who you are allowing and not allowing in. Mm-hmm. If you don't allow gay people in, you're breaking the law. If you don't allow black people in, you're breaking the law. If you don't allow women in, you're breaking the law. Right. Mm-hmm. It, now, someone can argue if you don't allow in amputees, you're breaking the law, but I don't see how amputees can bowl. I'm, but, but, well, what I'm saying is, <laughs> no, but I'm just talking about, you know, I'm just talking <laughs> about, you know, the, the First I, Amendment I, limits. Limits the government. So I, I get your point. I, I think I think I could I think I could um, frame it 
may, maybe better what you're saying. And, and I think I see your point now of something like Twitter, what social media is and why you brought in sort of the, the, the woke sliding of the word harm. Because if I had a club, but instead of the pineapple one that said in this club, we um, don't use like preferred pronouns. We use pro pronouns of, you know, what people are, were born as or something. And we refuse to call transgender people by their preferred pronouns or something. That one is now, of course, getting to where you're thinking, like if I, you know, put something like that on, on a social media site and they ban me for it or they kick me out. Yeah, obviously, yes, it, you and I, yes, we agree that these companies, the way that they have been applying, being their own little Supreme Courts, really, right? Yeah. Applying the First Amendment, is using that sliding definition of harm in, yes, everything you talked about with Lukianoff and everybody who's been worried about sort of the, 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 the woke degrade, degradation of the word harm and all that kind of stuff. Yes, absolutely. I think we all agree on that. And, though, and we're, uh, yes, pretty horrified by the way that they're applying that. Um, and it's, it's, yes, that's where that comes from. And we agree that that is a problem. You're not necessarily going to find the solution in the text of the First Amendment is my only point. You're going to have to have a conversation outside of that and sort of morality, the kind of stuff that I know you're interested in of how do we educate people about, you know, what harm actually is and, and those kind of things. I don't, I don't think you're going to rescue the fight back from that within the text of something like the First Amendment itself or lean on the Supreme Court to do it for you. Although maybe, you know, you and I yeah. have had private conversations where I have a lot more faith in the courts holding than you do. Again, I, I've mentioned this one, I think on your last podcast on the specific example that I brought up in um, Idaho, the case, uh, gosh, I forget her name now, a woman who, uh, well, a transgender, she was born male, who wants to run on the track team. That case might make its way to the Supreme Court and I'm really interested in the way that they decide that Idaho passed a law basically saying that, you know, if you were born a male, you cannot complete, compete in women's sports at the, with public um, organizations anyways, the University of Idaho. So it's a public institution, which I'm, I know we'll get to the public private argument about social media soon. That, that'll be an interesting case to keep an eye on in the Supreme Court. But yes, the way that, that Twitter and Facebook, whatever, are being their own justices there, are very much taking troubling stances, again, and leaning on the harm principle, but defining it in these incredibly ridiculous juvenile ways. And we agree on that. I just, yeah, I think, that, I think yeah. that's your point of, of the pineapple thing. If you changed it to transgender, it would have worked for me immediately or something, yeah. or dead, dead naming or something. Well, like I said, I, yeah, fine. We, we're gonna go, but I, like I said, I wanted to take something very, very totally. innocuous, right? Like it's pineapple on pizza, something I joke about. I mean, I get, it gets joked about a lot. Like it's, 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 it's I like very pineapple certain. on pizza, by yeah, the way. Well, whatever, you're a Philistine. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, what I was going to say is uh, like um, the government. The government is uh, is very vague on mm. this stuff on purpose, right? Yeah. Because well, especially in America, where you're, you're a government of you know that is ruling over 330 million people, right? Um, so there's almost no way you're going to be able to make rules that are going to apply to every situation, that everybody, right? And the, you can argue now that the social media companies are even bigger than a nation, right? So they're in the same problem. They're, we're asking them to create rules, right? But they cannot create rules that are gonna to apply to everybody. Um, it's just, you know, like, uh, there's a simple thing. Like, I don't know, like we, we were investigating, um, uh, uh, putting in, bringing in, uh, 
DLP rules and DLP is basically data loss protection rules. Right. All right. And so then you're like, okay, well, you know, um, like whatever it is, I'm trying to kind of to reject spam, you know, from people's emails and things like that. Right. You know, so you think, okay, well, you know, let's take an example of say like, okay, well, anything, 99% of the emails that have the word Viagra coming in here are clearly a nag for Viagra. So let's just, you know, like ban everything that has Viagra in the email. Right. You know, but I work in a university, right? You know, and then, you know, there's some people in the, you know, uh, chemistry and whatever and biopharma department that are saying, oh, we're doing actually research on Viagra and this. And so you can't ban all the emails that have Viagra in it because we are actually doing research in that area, mm-hmm. right? And you're like, oh shit, I can't apply that rule anymore, right? You know, and so all these different rules are going to like, show up and they're gonna you know, do that. So anytime you're asking these people to do that, it's, it's impossible. Now, that's why I've gone back to the thing, okay, well, where are we going to get these rules from, right? And, you know, we were talking earlier about, like, how journalism, the idea of a journalism police, like, is, you know, ridiculous and crazy, right? But at the same time, there is already a journalism police, right? That's the editors of the journals, of the journalism, you know, organizations, right? So it's their job to to apply journalistic ethics to the uh, articles that get printed in their uh, newspaper, right? And so if somebody, if some, if a one of the journalists, you know, proposes an article that doesn't have two verified sources and blah, 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 whatever the rules are, right? Then the editor says, no, we can't publish that because of whatever, right? Now, are the, all the editors right now applying these rules? No, right? We know that, we, we know that some of this stuff is getting through now, uh, but there is principles in place in that industry that should be followed, right? You know, and, you know, so, and each of the industries, ha- you know, has this stuff, you know, they can police themselves or they should be policing themselves, not like actual police, like, you know, mm-hmm. but like, I, I mean, just like, you know, in, we have to rely on those industries to be able to verify what's coming out of those things, right? And we have to rely on, you know, Dr. Fauci, you know, rather than Donald Trump to tell us the, what the medical, you know, and, you know, yeah. and, and you could say all you want about Dr. Fauci and, you know, and oh. WHO or whatever, like, and those organizations. But as, as people, like, you know, I'm, I'm not going I'm not a medical doctor, right? And so I have to trust my doctor. If he tells me like something, I, you know, I have to go to the expert, the quote unquote experts. Now, that being said, it's, you know, again, and we can't evaluate the experts either, right? Because we don't have enough knowledge to evaluate the experts. The only people who can evaluate experts are the other experts in that field, right? Um, so we have to, in some ways, like rely on, those fields in order to 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 do that for them you know um that, that's never going to be 100 percent, right but that's better than what we have right now so the social media companies in my opinion need to to do that right they can't make up these the, the rules on their own and they there's a, it's just going to fall every time they do that there's another exception that pops up and says you know that shows how ridiculous their rule is right you know they because they're only trying to create rules based on um what are obvious examples right you know we have obvious example a which fits in this this bucket and you say okay well we'll ban that one because this you know but now we have another obvious example which is on the opposite extreme you know that shows up and you're like oh oh yeah i'm sorry we didn't think of that one um 
you know, uh, so it's a really difficult problem. But at the same time, I, like I said, I do think they, I think they're in a unique position to, to do something about it, but I, I, they need the rules to apply, you know, and the only way that they're going to get those rules is from experts in those areas to apply those rules. Right. Okay. Um, uh, sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean yeah, to go ahead. Yeah. Okay. I agree with you okay, about the journalistic standards, but again, we've seen that like Jay, we've talked about mm-hmm. this, you know, th- those standards are not being held to, they're not like the New York Times is not holding itself to the same standards that it will hold the New York Post and vice versa. Okay, right. I, I'm not not saying the Post is innocent. Like, I don't trust any of these assholes anymore. I don't. Me. <laughs> okay, I, I, but that's a that's yeah. a horrible thing. Yeah, and I agree I, with you. Uh, I agree. Well, sorry, with you, but, one of the things I just want to mention real quick. The one thing those the New York Times, New York Post, whoever it is, the one thing they're not doing, at least yet. Now, this may happen, but right now what they're not doing is they're not going back to, they're not changing journalistic ethics codes, right? They're changing it at, 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 the, at a higher level, at the, at the level of, that they can control, right, at, in, in their own editing rooms, right? You know, so there is still a code that exists. They're not following that code, but the code still exists, right? So if the social media companies were applying the code, then they could hold these people to account. Right. They could say, listen, New York Times, this article doesn't fit your own code that you're supposed to be you know, saying. And they would be more than inclined to have to follow the code. Now, they could go back and change the code oh, right? Totally. and say, okay, well, hey, we changed the code. Now we're following it. Right? And they could do that. You know, but then it becomes – but it, as long as everything is transparent and you're seeing that happen over time, which you know, I think you brought this up I think, in some of your tweets, uh, and, and, and I kind of agree. Like, it, there needs to be a, a transparent – Mm-hmm. viewage of this we know that like e- even if the social media companies are applying the rules of these organizations mm-hmm. they should they should be able to flag every single time that either it you know because there, there, there should be cases where if they flag something you know as being untrustworthy somebody should be able to go back on that and say hey, listen you know i think you're wrong on this and here's why and if they you know, if and if that comes out you know if, yeah. if they agree i would say okay, okay i see what you're saying that was an error We'll put you. We'll put you into the green category. But we should be able to see that trail that said, okay, it was once red, and now it moved to red, to green, and here's why that yeah. it happened, right? And oh, it now moved back to you know to amber or whatever, and here's why, right? You know that that the transparency of that. But uh, it's it, it's going to be an infinite regress. Like who yeah, watches the watchers at some point? I mean, Cass Sunstein on my podcast said, you know, the truth never catches up to the lie, and it's you know, you could do that. You could a retraction is read like you know, one one thousandth the oh, amount yeah, that the first right. one is read. Yeah. But, okay, like that's why. I mean, I I just I was joking around. I said, like, I'd love to have a new site mm-hmm. that was just okay. Um, whatever. Uh, bank was robbed downtown Manhattan. Okay. This is what we know. Okay. <laughs> Three people were arrested. This is what we know. Like they're just giving you the facts, and you know what? If they say a bank was robbed downtown Manhattan, and then it turned out later that it was a terrorist attack, you could change that top thing with a link to something below that's saying, "Okay, we had reported it was a you know, blah blah blah." Because that's the. But if you come out straight out saying this is just information as it comes out, and we will give you links to updated information, it's it's. I think a lot of people just want the fact, like, you know, just the facts, man. Like, I don't, I, you say that, but it doesn't sell. I mean, otherwise that's what these companies would be doing. Okay. You write these, 
Yeah, it's, you write write these big things yeah. where you know uh, four Moralistic, black girls, you know, yeah. you know, four black girls get beaten up by two South Asian boys, and the New York Times prints on their editorial home, you know, front page that it was a cause of whiteness. It, it was it due sells. to whiteness. I mean, it sells. but okay. Yeah. Like okay, so when you're talking about journalistic standards and all that, yes, we should hold each other. We should hold them to account. And if you know, I said okay, use the laws of the land. But if they want to use like that journalistic ethic, if a new story comes out, and you know, do they have two sources? Do they have, uh, mm -hmm. it, you know, is it like whatever? Is it credible? Like okay, coming back to the stupid Biden thing, and again, like I, I think the worst thing you'll find out about about this Biden story is that he lied about his knowing about his son's business dealings, which again, I, I, like I said, I think that's about the worst thing you're going to find. Now, again, that's like a politician lie, big fucking deal. Like, oh, gee, you know, it's a day that ends in Y for fuck's sakes. Um, <laughs> you know, but if that story had been reversed, let's say instead of Giuliani, it was AOC and it was, it was Eric Biden's fucking hard drive. Would Twitter have suspended it? Would Twitter have blocked that story? I don't know. If, 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 I, I, I I would lay good money that Twitter, Facebook, none of them would have blocked that story or held the New York Times account hostage until they deleted well, the can I, I'll, I'll suggest another path that we have, because I think we're at the point, Matt, Matt made a cool little outline for this conversation. I think we're at the misinformation and the downward spiral part of the conversation, or at least that's where like, my mind is. Um, Another possible kind of like avenue for this thing is that it actually, Obad, you, you brought it up a few times earlier about this like journalism police kind of thing. We know the way Facebook in particular, which is way more popular than Twitter worldwide, um, operates in other countries is that that desperate ask to be regulated by the government has been granted, you know, with bells and whistles in places like Thailand and Myanmar and Bangladesh with terrible consequences. Right? Oh, yeah, these are, totally. Right. These are terrible governments. Bangladesh awful stories about rumors that were spreading on Facebook that literally lead to people being murdered, talk about like harm and threats. But these are the governments doing this kind of thing. I was in Uganda, we've talked about East Africa a lot before, when um, very, you know, they have a, a pseudo dictator who's been in power for 30 something years, Museveni, who very much fearing an Arab Spring type Facebook energy of an overthrow, instituted a tax on social media on your like cell phones or whatever. You have to pay like this monthly fee, which most poor Ugandans don't do or can't do. And very, it was very transparent, just him trying to repress, you know, the, the uh, possibility of revolution gathering on social media companies. So yes, but America is the great experiment. Always has been, hopefully will be much longer, but we're this open society. We're talking about the first amendment, we're talking about, a nation that was revolutionary in its libertarianism of trusting people to govern themselves in their own lives. I mean, Gettysburg Address, the whole thing, right? That's the experiment. And holy shit, social media is like trying to figure, I mean, it's like amplified. Compare the way Facebook operates in America with the way Facebook operates. And we'll see what happens in Thailand, right? They're going to go through this live right now. Um, this is the great experiment. And holy shit, it has always been noisy and messy. For a reference I didn't think I would be making in this conversation, I don't know if you watched the Mike Pence, uh, Kamala Harris debate. I thought actually Pence was really good and kind of crushed mm -hmm. her just on sort of like a formal level. Mm -hmm. But his, his best line I thought was someone like wrote in about some kid or something wrote in about like the chaos and everybody's fighting on my TV all the time. And he gave this line that again, I think Pence is a, is a schmuck, but the line was really good where he was like in America, we like a really good fight. You know, like we, mm -hmm. we can yell at each other and get into it. But at the end of the day, we're all Americans. And it was actually a really good line about mm -hmm. like, this is a mess. It's always been messy. It's noisy and loud here because we're so sort of uh, 
were an exception to the libertarianism in the world that 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 we 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 are very cowboy kind of like self-governing here um, i thought it was a good answer and twitter and facebook is like the amplification of that but another possible way out of it is that we more so again than any other nation that i think on earth at least at the inception granted when you grant people that kind of freedom you grant them the freedom to be really semi-autonomous political agents and again think what you think form your own opinions be exposed to a lot of bullshit. And we all agree that we need to be exposed to a certain level of bullshit. We'll talk about it. Um, and I don't think there's necessarily something wrong with something like Twitter being like, you know what, we are biased. We're actually like, we're liberal leaning and we like it that way. And so we philosophically think promotion of certain ideas that will lead to, you know, conservative policies are harmful, et cetera, et cetera. And so, yeah, you know, fuck it. We're a little biased and that's how the best we're going to do. But now, you know, the product you're getting, they could say that. And, and I think one of the major problems, actually just one more thing, as Matt was talking about the way that like newspapers operate and stuff, one of the problems, and I am a Jaron Lanier fan, who's a, who's a big critic of social media is that they're free is that there is no, that, that we, we all know this now, it's an old line, but it's true, is that we are the, the product, not the users, right? We are there to be sold to by advertisers. Their entire business model depends on everybody clicking and all the, all the incentives are totally out of whack there. I wonder if this problem would get a little better Again, won't happen if they said it's five dollars a month to use Twitter, and you know what, this is our policy, and we're going with it. We're a little liberal leaning. If you want something conservative, I'm sure there's something else out there. Um, I don't know. That might actually be a better time, a better service for people. And and one more thing, as as a, I know we're bashing social media a lot, and, and maybe rightfully so. They didn't ask to be in this situation totally. Like they could have from the very beginning, they could have been like, oh shit, people are spreading news on our thing that we thought was for like cat videos and, and jokes. And suddenly now it's a news site. We should just pull the plug on that right now, like six years ago before we get to this position. But the bottom line was very, very good when people started spreading news on the site. And now we're in these conversations legally of like, wait, are they a publisher? Are they the front page editor of every newspaper in the world? All those kind of things. And, it, and there's, a, there's a good argument for yes. I mean, we could talk about whether there's a Supreme Court case coming that actually defines these things as public regulations and public goods. There's the famous cases where the phone companies basically were declared public entities and therefore had a different set of First Amendment rules applied to them. Is that happening to social media? I don't know. If I was advising Jack, I would at least throw that on the table for him. It's like, here's how you, here's how you get an off-ramp to this awful cliff you're driving over, is, de is, is declare yourself a private company and make it fucking private, meaning people have to pay to use it. And then you could have the policies you want and a lot of this noise would at least quiet down where, where we're, we're not having this conversation. But I think they've probably run that math and they know that it makes them less money and so they, they're not going to do it. So here I, we are. Yeah. I agree with you there that okay, if Twitter came out and said, you know what, this is the way we do it and this is how, what we're going to block. Like I said, I, I think I talked to you about it and it might have been Ryan Bennett and I said they should, the social media company should either act as, especially something like Google, hmm. should act as either librarians or hmm. landlords. And if they're landlords, the lease is crystal clear and it's applied evenly across the board. And if that's the case, I have no problem. I know what I'm getting into. And if, if I, you know, if I decide to go whitewater rafting in a leaky boat without a life jacket, full well knowing it, and I sign a contract or whatever, I have no recourse at the end of that. Right. Mm -hmm. That's, that's on me because uh, for a dumbass for agreeing to all that. So if I agree to whatever Twitter lays out and they follow those to the T, I have no right to complain. I have no, you know, whether they want to charge or whatever, but it, 
I don't care. It, let me know what I'm getting into. Okay. Don't make these vague sounding statements where they are acting like they are giving some editorial, mm-hmm. you know, like, like they are taking editorial liberties with this stuff and it shouldn't be allowed. If they are going to be an editor, then just like Alex Jones can get sued, you know, Infowars can get sued. Then Twitter should be able to get sued for Biden saying Donald Trump said there is good people on both sides. He called white supremacists, you know, fine people, which he didn't. You, you think Twitter should be able to be sued if they allow that post? That that's a danger. Okay, look, the New York Times yeah. is allowed to be sued for something you write, and they allow to. If Twitter is going to be making an editorial, Twitter is making editorial decisions on what can be published and what can't. Right. Well, wait, wait, wait. how's that published or can't? Are you saying a tweet is a is a piece of journalism? Are we going to well, go that far? Look, if they're going to go with editorializing. And there's but, but you a, have to define that a little okay, more specifically. Okay, fine. There's a I tweet something right now. Is that, there, there's yeah. a news clip from CNN going out now. They, 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 I don't know if it's, I mean, I, I, it's, it's been out there for a mm-hmm. little bit of Biden saying Donald Trump said there's fine people. You know, he called white supremacists fine people. He said there's fine people on both sides. Right? That is an out and out lie. Yes, he did say there's fine people on both sides. And right away he said, I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white supremacists. Those are horrible people. Everyone condemns those. Okay, so... That is a lie. Even though he, that's, that's what he, you knew he meant that, though. Uh, no, okay. I, I, look, you know what? I, I don't want to get into these fucking mind reading <laughs> but, bullshit. Yeah. No, no, no. no but, 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 okay. but, but, the but, mind reading. Uh, Every okay. podcast I go on talks about the mind reading thing. Okay, so no, but, no, but hold, 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 hold on a second. No, okay. but hold on a second. It doesn't, that's not what he said. That's an out and out lie. Now, if Twitter is going to, if, if they're taking an editorial stance, unless they say, this is what our editorial stance is, this is how we're going to do stuff. If it's right now as it is, they took an editorial stance with not allowing that story, but they're allowing this one, and that's disinformation. That's, that, 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 is, that is a complete lie. So then if the New York Times publishes a lie, like CNN got sued over the Covington kids, how many other organizations are going to like have to settle with the Covington kids? Because mm-hmm. they lied about that. If they're... If they're taking an editorial stance where they're letting some stories out but not others, then they should be held to that same standard. That's what, like, whatever section two thirty or whatever that thing is, like, it protects them from that. I think yeah, that's a, that, I think that's a crazy proposal. Well, I, I, so do I. I so do I. I. But that's why I don't want them involved in there. If they're going to get involved in it, not there are. I mean, I, I think there was. I think there are some direct editorial decisions they make when you know they they write the headline of a trending news story or whatever. You could you could probably make a case yeah. that that's a piece of sort of like headline writing that that could be a lie or defamation or whatever, but it's very hard. This is something obviously mutual uh, uh, talking about like suing Hunter Biden should sue whatever. Like I, American libel laws are very, very different. Than I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want that to happen. Like I'm not, I'm not asking for that. I want to, avo- I, I want to avoid that as much as possible. Like I don't yeah, want like an anti first amendment. Kind of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no. Like, like I said, I, I don't want that, but yeah. if they're going to do that bullshit, then they should be held to account. If they're, if they're going to take on that role, like I said, just like so. He, so here's the question to take into account because it is free. So don't use it. And then that now we're in the argument of the public: is it is it like a necessary thing? So don't use it if you don't like it. Don't use it. Okay, no, no, that, that that's fine. I I could not yeah, use it, but that's not, go ahead. It's not gonna happen, right? Like it's right. like we have to understand. Like I think we have to understand a few things are never gonna happen. The social media companies are never gonna be a public utility because. The government doesn't want doesn't want to really, doesn't want does not want the headache of right, right. No one wants there, there, will, there will never be another public utility. It will never happen <laughs> again. The, the, the phone company was the last. It'll never mm. happen again because it never, the never the government will never want to take on that responsibility. Two, the social media companies 
are are never going to go fully private because mm. they they're going to lose all that revenue, right? So that's never going to happen. The so, but what I think could be uh, it could be uh, you know uh, demonstrated to them is the first one of these companies that actually does a good job at verifying trustworthiness of posts is going to have people coming to it and flocking to it, right? If, if they can, if they can, they're not banning anything, but just verifying trustworthiness is, is going to be a huge win for any of these companies, because then they're going to get people to come to them as a, you know, because they can verify trustworthiness of this source, right? Um, that's going to, and I think they could do that now. I like, you know, I, I don't think it's beyond the realms of their capability to do it right now. Um, you know, but that's the reason why, like the reason why, you know, for years, like, well, the, the reason why the, the, the New York Post article was put down was for two reasons. One, it, it, it seemed as misinformation, but two, not, add, add the fact, it was misinformation from a source which is in, uh, considered somewhat trustworthy, right? It, you know, if like you know, I brought up earlier, you know, if the Weekly World News points, uh, you know, puts up a, a tweet that says, you know, a bat boy was found in a cave in, you know, in the middle of uh, West Virginia, like nobody, it, nobody's going to take that post down, right? Even though we know it's fake news because we, because the Weekly World News is, is already considered untrustworthy, right? We already know this. This has been defined throughout the world, right? Or throughout in America, right? You know, now there are still people who buy the Weekly World News off the shelf and believe it, right? You or, know, like, or, or presidents who retweet the uh, the, the Babylon yeah, Bee. Or... Babylon Bee, yeah. But okay, like, sorry, um... sorry uh, the Babylon Bee. Like this is this because this is important. Babylon oh, okay. Bee yesterday had their account suspended on Facebook. Did they really? Wow. Yeah, because they put out an article saying I can't remember which some senator or whatever God. wanted to weigh uh, uh, Amy, whatever Barry yeah, or whatever. Yeah. yeah against a duck, like the Monty Python thing, right? right and they yeah. said that in incitement of violence and they pulled the Babylon Bee account. Uh, it's, okay, now you're, so you're saying like no one's going to pull like this, this, this satire. Well, the president retweeted it like the, the okay, day but, before well, or something. So people are fucking confused. We're really now in the yeah. misinformation downward spiral part of the country. But clearly, like, if, if you just went to some place, like, if, and it wouldn't be hard for them to classify. Like if you just saw that post and it had a little flag that says satire. this is satire, right? right? Like, you know, it's so easy for, the, for them to classify these things. They already know the classifications right like mm -hmm. but just if they could just apply those classifications where they know them and then you know and it doesn't have to be like obviously we're still going to have you know billions of tweets that don't have any classification right but they become less trustworthy when you know that there are some that are trustworthy when we have we have ones that we know are verified as trustworthy right that then that automatically downplays the ones that have no flag whatsoever right you so, say okay well you know, yeah, can, can I, I worry about this? No, I, no, it might I, be the only way to go, but can I worry maybe about you're going to make the same point that, I, that I'm not so sure it's more profitable. First of all, I think people, yeah, we really are in this part. Like, do people actually want the misinformation, not want the misinformation, but they get attached to it in a way, these conspiratorial kind of thinkings, whatever it is. Um, is, is any kind of flag going to just trigger people's Streisand effect that, it, that no, it's, it's actually it's, true? I mean, the, no. you're walking- It's not gonna stop those people at all, right? You know, like, and that's fun from the social media companies. Like they don't actually wanna stop them, right? But what they want to do is, 
you know, they're okay with all those people, you know, forwarding it to whoever they want, right? You know, mm. like they, they want them to continue to do that. But for the people who do care, like if, if they flag something, you know, it doesn't matter at all to those people who are going to, who are going to forward it on because they got outraged by it, right? Mm. Like they're not going to care what, you know, their slogan has been like the name and news or whatever it is, right? Yeah. Something like all that. All the right? news fit to print. Was that... yeah. like this their whole thing has been we are the most trustworthy right? mm-hmm. and they and have become that in a way like obviously they're, they're not following those but but yeah. over time they became one of the most trustworthy um, oh, so i was but the only thing i was going to say that is, is that that's why to bring up your point there jay the reason that's why i think that they the social media companies mm. yes the verification is good but they have they can't make up the rules themselves they have to verify based on an external thing <laughs> uh, right where they can, they can say listen you know it's not a, like we verified this but it's based on these other people's rules so you know uh, which which are agreed upon within that industry right so they can say just, listen you know yeah, you, you can put out you, you can put all your stuff up, but it's not us that's having the bias right yeah you know yeah, we're, yeah. we're applying the rules that that, that journalism is it's about, just right? isn't this so, just it's just such a strange relationship because you're right they could have just said like listen the New York Post is the newspaper, and if you're mad at this story spreading, get mad at them because they're the ones who published it, and we're just. Yeah. But but all of these newspapers know that. I, I don't know the numbers. What do you think the percentage of the people who read the New York Post on a f- physical piece of paper or the New York Post website versus a link on a social media? It must have been a thousand to one, probably a fucking million yeah. to one, and they know that, and they know. But they, which is also the New York Times know that. This is maybe part of the yeah. problem. Is like they're like, oh, everyone has always. Let, let's let's like do this philosophically everyone since Socrates and Plato has wanted to pass the free speech as a hard problem buck to the next guy to be like, Hey, get mad at them. It wasn't me. And wow, all of the old school media companies found the perfect patsy to pass the buck to an idiot named Mark Zuckerberg and an idiot named Jack being like, Hey, look, they're the ones amplifying it. And man, it worked like a charm. And now no one's got the buck. Like we don't know even who to be mad at at a story anymore for any of this kind of stuff. And I, I don't know, it's, it's a, your answer might be the best way again. And you're not even claiming that it's like foolproof yeah. or perfect. It might be the best Avenue. I don't know how to do it. Everyone's looking who to pass the buck here to. Yeah. They've been, I don't know who else you're talking about other than some journalism board, especially when the journalism of each, the editorial boards of each outlet are so different and fractured. You're talking about people who are political enemies within these places they can't just say like, well, Fox News verified it over here and New York Times verified it over here. So we're just we're going to call them both editors. You're talking, I think you're talking or suggesting about some Orwellian like third party panel that gets to like. But it's it's not everything. Orwellian, right? I mean, like, it's already there, right? Like they've already, like, you know, it's already been agreed upon the ethics code, right? Like it's not like we're asking to something for them to apply. They've already applied it to themselves. And there's a reason why the New York Post yeah, you know, isn't the weekly world news, right. right? You know, and they don't want to be like, so they, they, they are going to, yes, some of the articles might be not as sourced as they, you know, as we would like them to be, but they're mm-hmm. never going to go so far as to just completely put out just, you know, or, you know, and some, even some of their articles might get through as being completely false, right? You know, but right. they're never going to go so far as just doing it just for clickbait. Right. Mm-hmm. Because you know, there, there is an element of trustworthiness that's needed in that industry. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so they have to apply some 
journalistic principles or, or else again they become the weekly world news right so they um they're, and they're, and again the reason why people the people click on them in those droves is because one it's a it's a headline that's that's catchy but also because it's coming from a source which mm -hmm. is considered somewhat you know um uh, you know reasonable right um so it's those two things so, so that that are combined which makes it such an attractive thing right so we you know there is that element that we're not focusing on the the, the, the trustworthiness element which is important to the to the industries right and 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 that's why it's it, like i feel like the social media companies need to push back you know and and just push it onto those, the, the industries in a way. I, because, could, I could be convinced of that, which is almost the deregulation argument of just like, well, we're going to let it all spread. And if it sucks, it's their fault. I could be convinced of that. But I think we're, I think we're on the like, whose responsibility is it to suss out what's I mean, bullshit? I, like I said, again, social media companies, they should let us know exactly what they're going to do. If they got a plan, it's got to be yeah, consistent. You know, like, that's the one thing. I don't, I don't care what their solution is, but it has mm. to be consistent. If it's, we're going to censor based on this criteria, they're letting me know what they're doing. And if I want to let it take it or leave it, that's up to me. Mm. If they want to charge me money for it. And I don't think it's worth it. I won't pay for it. Right. But what you're talking about, like, okay, the editorial standards, like, okay. New York times has editorial standards. Washington post has editorial standards. They, I mean, they're, they're both similar leaning. I'm not saying, you know, they're, I'm not calling, like, I don't trust either of them, but they're both like left-leaning or whatever. Now, if Washington Post publishes stories and they've given their editorial standards to Twitter, right? Yeah. And New York Times publishes stories and they've given their editorial standards to Twitter. If someone or an algorithm or something at Twitter says, okay, you know what? This story you're publishing doesn't meet the standards you gave us. We will flag it. And you can say, we're flagging this because it does not meet New York Times standards. It's a New York Times story. If it's a Washington Post story and it doesn't meet their editorial standards, you can say, we're flagging this because it doesn't meet those. Now, if New York Times, again, puts out a story that Moon is made of green cheese and you know, blah, 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 and it's proven wrong, you could say, why did Twitter allow this? Why did Facebook allow it? Nope. This, you know, based on their standards, it met their standards. Mm -hmm. We said it met their standards. We let it go they didn't follow their standard properly or they lied, whatever they've lost credibility. I, I can get behind but, that because but in, in journalism, there is a higher code, right? right? There's a higher code that exists above. What, what is it? New York Times and New York Post. I mean, like you met, you I actually, I read, analogy I, I, to like the, the Hippocratic I, I, oath and in, in yeah. medical ethics, there is something, is it like you need two independent sources? Like, is I it don't know what they all are. I, I know I, I, I put a link in that document to, yeah. To the access code. Because, because, because we're, we're but, going under the assumption that if it hits their front page, it went through their own filter. So it are like the, an, the question is sort of already answered by the fact that they published it in the first place. Like as far, what hasn't happened yet, which is interesting, is that Twitter and Facebook aren't doing their, they don't have their own newsrooms, right? They're not going out and doing their own stories, which is really interesting. If they, and they're not going to do that, right? No, the no, points that not. you made, Matt, and the points that you made, Obi, they're not going to get in that game. So they can continue to play this kind of passing the buck of like, well, it's not ours. We're doing our best to vet. And hey, we suck at it, but like, whatever, everyone's mad, but you're still clicking on our shit. They're, yeah, they're not going to make, they're not, so it's, they're not a, they're an editorial board in a way because they've gotten involved in the censorship game. And that's why we're having this conversation. But uh, yeah, I don't know how good that sort of amorphous third party 
uh, thing is, and then you're talking about, it's a worldwide thing. You're talking about, is there an American code of ethics or if a story from Thailand wants to be censored, do they get to decide their own? Do that yet. I mean, that's certainly a, a different, uh, different conversation to be had, but it doesn't mean that they can't do it. Like, like my, my point is to say, okay, if they take this approach, then, then what they can say is, listen, there's a, you know, in the industries that have codes that govern them, we will try to apply those codes to this post, right? If it does, it, you, know, and, you know, in industries that don't have a code, we won't have a flag, right? Because we can't apply anything, right? If it, you know, if there's not enough information in the article for us to, to, to actually apply the code, then we just don't put a flag on it, right? But, and the only ones that get the flag are the ones that can, that can be verified yeah. by the code, right? It's if you're in a country, that doesn't have codes or whatever, then again, you don't get the flag, right? And it says, listen, and we've told you right off the bat, like, you know, anything that doesn't have a flag or has a red flag should be considered untrustworthy, right? As a blanket statement, you know, and we're only going to apply the flag in places where we can verify trustworthiness. Have you, have you, do you think they can ask you, do you think they handle, have handled COVID information decently? Because there is a code, which is all about harm, of course, abide of, if we're going to say first do no harm is kind of the code of medical ethics. And so if someone puts up a piece of information about COVID that says like masks are bullshit, cough on everyone you want, this field is like a violation of that code, even if it's a doctor or something, and then they flag it. They've done a little of what you're talking about in the COVID case, right? And maybe we're all a little satisfied with the way they've handled information. Oh, okay, on COVID. I don't know. but they didn't flag anything that said COVID is a worse virus than race or racism was a worse virus than COVID. And, you know, it's different. And, yeah, but different. Uh, I mean, I think that's a totally different question. But yeah. No, but okay. Look, if, okay, the Trump has some rally outside somewhere. Oh my God, super spreader event. There's a women's march in DC this past weekend. Mm-hmm. nothing about that right I, I, so i guess misogyny is a worse virus than covid as well so mm-hmm. all those black lives matter protests all that shit that went on okay a, a, a week before the black lives matter protest started happening like you know like after the george floyd yeah. uh, incident a week before that there's been some stuff in the in uh, i think michigan like you know anti-mass protesters anti-lockdown mm-hmm. protesters whatever oh my god these people are spreading the virus da, 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 da. then all those riots and protests started happening not one thing. So again, they, they're losing credibility. So should they put that? Okay, Chris Cuomo, I believe it was last night. He was saying, and then CNN tweeted this out. Um, like, I don't trust if a vaccine is approved by the CDC right. or the FDA, I'm not going to trust it. That's the party of science. Like, I mean, who's, who, you know, like, why should, that should get flagged. That, I'm sorry, but that is causing distrust. That is creating huge problems like he's saying don't trust the cdc and the fda when they approve a vaccine can i can i try something totally i'm, I'm totally with you but can I, it's just pointing to how awful the problem that we're in and yeah. oh no I, I get it i get it no 100%. no it, it's it, it be, because and this maybe like goes to the that one thing i think that we disagree on frankly obite about how to get out of this problem but and maybe this feels like an aside <laughs> but I, you know, I'm a, I obviously love science. I feel like I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a talented critical thinker and I try to engage in that kind of stuff. If a vaccine comes out before the election, if tomorrow Trump announces that we have a vaccine, I'm not trusting that fucking thing. And so there's a deep, so here, here's a totally side thing. And I'm, and I'm going to give you like that. I'm going to give some credit. You're going to hate the argument probably, but some credit to 
the position that that something like Twitter has taken of <laughs> I don't even think we've mentioned his name that much yet, but Donald fucking Trump is the problem behind a lot of this conversation of we have a conspiracy theorist in the main office of this country who you don't need any more evidence that he's not trustworthy right at this point and the cdc literally was taking things down on their site when the trump administration was asking them to do it then it would magically reappear i mean like the 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 things that shouldn't have been corrupted in a pandemic or any kind Uh of journalism we're talking about have been corrupted by the forces that we're already talking about here in large part because of the president in the office, which is a major, we're talking about the, the dissolution of trust in things that really cannot crumble or else society's in major trouble. You've mentioned a lot of them, we've all mentioned them. So if you take what I just said with some sort of like veracity that Trump is, I know you, you'll, you find there's deeper and previous causes, of course, yeah. but that Trump is an accelerant in the very least of this problem, if not a major causal factor of it, a first order of business to solving any of the problems that we're in is getting rid of Donald Trump. If you take that as, as a step number one, I frankly do, um, then you're going to hate this again. Then you can find, and I think it's wrong and, and is the long-term thinking is, is suicidal with it. Matt brought up a lot of these points about the trustworthiness, the like, call it Trump derange, derangement syndrome if you want, but call it like ending the Trump emergency as fast as you can. I think that's what's driving Twitter's sort of, yes, selective and partisan, just fucking to say it, partisan censoring of information because they think Trump is a unique, immediate danger to things like trusting the fucking CDC because he is. So again, that's short-term thinking. And I've outlined a nightmare scenario that will totally, as Matt's pointed to, erode the trustworthiness of all kinds of things, including something like Twitter, because they shouldn't have been, we shouldn't have been in this situation in the first place to act in that partisan way. But if that's where your mind is now, which is not an indefensible place for a mind to be, frankly, again, that Trump is an emergency, we just have to do everything we can to get out of it. Then you can start to see why like, fuck it, selective censoring of information, allowing other bullshit, the, the crazy shit that I agree that you talked about of like somehow saying <laughs> if you're on the streets because of racism, the pandemic took a day off, like obvious, like, but, but it's how, it's how you end up at the justification of like anything to get rid of Trump. And then we'll talk about science again. I think this is a terrible place to be, but I'm going to say it's a understandable place to be. And we're, we're fucked. How about okay. that? <laughs> this is not a defensive Trump. If I was in the States right now, okay. Mm-hmm. There's no way in a million years, like as it stands, like if nothing changes for the next million or whatever, I will not pull that lever for Trump. Right. I think I'll vote down ticket. I, I, I cannot, I don't trust Biden. Like, like the woke thing is another issue and whatever, but I will not pull that lever for Trump. Like I said, my issue is I'm not, there's, I'm not a supporter of Trump. I'm not a, defending him. You know, I think what happened with Israel and uh, the other Middle East. I think that's good, and you should give yeah, him some sure. credit for it. Okay, and I don't think Biden did. By the way, just to put that out there. Okay, Biden no, no. I, 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 yeah, but like great. I said, I'm not. I'm not saying. But okay, I think okay. This was a, someone put someone took the screen cap of this and put it out yesterday. So whatever screen cap, but it was some blue check mark on February first. Okay, blah 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 blah. COVID going on. If you look at college educated liberals, you know, we're saying it's not that bad. This, this is from February 1st. And it's like, oh, and look at the Republicans asking for a quarantine and border restrictions from China. 
That's mm-hmm. racist. Okay. Trump did mention border restrictions. I, I'm not saying he did a good job, but right at the like end of January, beginning of February, he did talk about restricting travel from China. He was told he was racist. Mm-hmm. You know, you had Nancy Pelosi telling people to come down to Chinese New Year in Manhattan. You had, you know, Cuomo saying the same thing, like Governor Cuomo there, you had de Blasio saying Chinese New Year is going to be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, Trump is just riling up racist threats by saying he's going to block travel from China. Okay, so when that, then a month or two later, when, they, when everything had flipped, okay, they're making themselves out to be the party of science. But no, Trump actually was doing a good thing blocking travel from China. I think he should have closed the borders from everywhere a lot quicker. You know, if you wanted to deal with the COVID threat, I think that would have been a better move, but whatever, like, you know, I don't want to argue, I don't want to play Monday better and quarterback, but if he's, he said that he wanted to close the borders and right away he was accused of racism. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying Trump, is, no, he's not trustworthy. You know, like, honestly, it, you know, if he says the sun's going to set in the West, Pelosi's going to go and check, you know, like it's, <laughs> it, it's gotten to that point and it sucks, mm-hmm. but the media has, Media and social media has not done themselves a service. They've, they've shown over and over and over again that they're biased and they're bullshitting things. When, okay, you know, an uh, austere Muslim scholar dies. The other day when that teacher got beheaded in France, you know, the first New York Times article was uh, French police uh, kill a Muslim man in a knife attack mm-hmm. or shoot Muslim man involved in knife attack. The guy fucking yelled Allahu Akbar. He beheaded a teacher for showing a picture of Muhammad, and they're they're, they're putting it like the police did something wrong. Like they they lost people. They they lost the trust in themselves. They've been wrapping this shit up again. I see like okay, Trump is letting white supremacy reign, and white supremacy is going to go. You spent fucking the last twenty years getting people to focus on identity, telling white kids that they're they're the cause of all the problems. And you're, and you're scratching your heads wondering why white supremacy is going up? You know, during the Obama years when coal mines are fucking getting closed and people are losing their jobs, you got reporters saying, learn to fucking code and telling them that they've got privilege. And, like, I'm sorry, these assholes radicalize themselves. They deserve Trump. I mean, they deserve that shit because they, they put it on themselves. Who's they? The woke, whatever. The, the media. Great, the woke. Okay. Do you think Joe Biden is woke? <laughs> I, okay, have you read his equality plan? Do you think Joe Biden is? Uh, no, I, 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 yes I, no. Okay, I don't think do he I. knows what the fuck he's talking about. Exactly, and, he doesn't know what woke no, is. But, but have you read his equality plan in the first hundred yes, days? Of course. Okay, I'm sorry, but that's that's pushing that woke agenda. Have you read his equity he has economic to do plan? That. They, they I, have I, to do that to get the vote. Right? I, I I don't care. I don't care. Stand up for your yeah. fucking principles, then. Okay, if you yeah, say you're well, not going to do it, politician doesn't have principles. No, but no, but if if you're if you're going to be the one, like that's gonna be we're truthful we're gonna do you know, we're gonna follow the science we're gonna be then follow the fucking science there's not 72 genders yeah. self-id i mean i i've got i it should be i should be releasing it right now anyways but i, I spoke to the buck angel about this mm-hmm. okay self-id like our laws are in canada are based on self-id right now a, an autistic kid got taken away from his parents like a, like the kid was in grade one for three days because he walked into the wrong washroom in a new school the the, te- the, the teacher the school official asked him Oh, how do your parents think about you being a girl? And the kid said, I'm not a girl. Why would I say, tell my parents I'm a girl? Like, I'm a boy. They get mad. Something along those lines. And he got put away, he got taken away by Child Protective Services for three days because the parents weren't fucking going along with his gender identity. He's got, he says he wants to follow the science, but he's going to, within 100 think, days. Do you think a, a, 
electing Trump or Biden makes wokeness work or, or, or worse or moves the needle either way? I, I Okay, I, I said this, I had a little discussion with a guy from um, Scotland the other day and mm. I did a little stupid rant about this. If you want to fix this stuff, okay, you need to get it out of education. When I say you need to get it out of education, do you want to teach this as philosophy in high schools, right? As you teach communism, you teach whatever, like you teach different philosophies, whatever, you, I have no problem. Incorporating into a curriculum, in some of the stuff I've seen from like, you know, kindergarten classes and grade one classes where they're telling them the whiteness is evil. Okay, it's fucking scary. I don't want that shit. Like I just like I don't want you know, fundamentalist Islam or fundamentalist Christianity forming curriculum. Like I didn't want to, you know, I don't want intelligent design. I don't want this intelligent design in schools. Now, if you want to focus on that, I think you should focus more of your attention on local the, issues. The, the intelligent design and fundamentalist Christians have a lot of friends in the anti-woke community. Let's just put it that way. So you might be getting exactly what you're asking. For. Okay. I, again, but, I don't, okay. Do yeah. I think, do I think Trump with his, uh, I don't want his patriotic fucking agenda. I, I don't want that. I don't want any agenda driven. Like, I, you know, I don't want a patriotic curriculum. I don't want a woke curriculum. I want a curriculum based on mm -hmm. teaching kids how to think, not what to think. And yeah. again, I, I don't think either of these two assholes is going to do anything for the woke. I think it's going to get, it doesn't matter which one gets elected. It's, it, they're going to ramp up. They're not coming down. Okay. If mm -hmm. Biden gets in, I think it's going to go in through the administration if Trump gets in, it's going to come in through state and local governments. That's why I'm saying focus on your local shit. It's your local governments that take care of your schools. It's your local mm -hmm. governments that take care of your police. I don't care what Biden says about being, you know, not defunding the police. I don't care what Trump says. It's a local issue. You know, you have problems with your state, fix it at the state level. Like Washington State, their diversity council, I think that's a travesty. But that's, that's at a state level. So, yeah, no, I, I, I think people should get, and again, your leaders, our leaders are not kings. We shouldn't be putting that much. Who gets elected? You shouldn't have primal screen therapy because Biden or Trump gets elected. We've put too much fucking emphasis on these people. Hmm. It is much. To bring it back a little bit to the misinformation thing. Um, one thing that I think is interesting and it's probably too much to get into right now, but I just want to touch on it a bit is that there's so much data out there. Like the, the, even if we want to teach kids how to critically think, right? One of the things we need to teach them is to, one of the things they, they're going to need in order to, to make decisions critically is data, right? And that's the best, the best way is to have all the data and then be able to analyze the data and, and see where it comes out and see where, like, where and, 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 garner some truth out of that and make some decisions right and then and so now we have who has all the data right is these social media companies right that that's why i feel like they have a more they do have a moral obligation to start using that data and not for not for nefarious purposes but for you know to use it in order to help uh, this, to make to, to figure out which is trustworthy and which is not trustworthy, you know, we a lot of people are afraid of, of tracking data and all these things. But at the end of the day, it's it's really going to be the only way we get to a point where we can verify truthfulness and and, and verify uh, credibility. Um, we're not going to like 
I bring up this example a lot, like where, you know, so I have allergies and, and you know, uh, I go to my doctor here, uh, you know, when I, when I first came, I used to take, you know, Benadryl off the shelf in America um, and that worked great for me. And I came here um, and I was, um, you know, I was told to take, you know, whatever it is, uh, Claritin or something like that, right? You know, like, and it didn't work for me that well. I was like, what's going on, right? And this happens all the time in America as well, right? And the, the real truth is, you know, so Benadryl in America and Benadryl in uh, Europe is actually a different chemical, right? It's diphenhydramine in, in, in America and it's something else. Let's get what it is here. But um, the point is, now I know that diphenhydramine works well for me as a, you know, for, as an allergy suppressant, right? Whereas this other one, whatever the ingredient is in, in the one here doesn't. Um, and I bring up that point because in America, this happens all the time. That when you go to a doctor and you're given a, a antibiotic for something, right? There's a ton of different antibiotics, right? And depending on which doctor you go to, you're going to get a different antibiotic because, and the reason you're getting that different antibiotic is not because they think it's actually better for you. It's because their local drug rep is giving them a better price on erythromycin versus, you know, whatever mm -hmm. the, the other, the, another one is, right? You know, and that's why they're giving you that. It's, but data, there is enough data that they could, that, that, we, that we could actually figure out, okay, you know, this medicine is be given here for this particular, you know, diagnosis, and it's actually working better, right, than the one that's given, you know, the one that's given in, in this little suburb of Philadelphia is better than the one that's given in New York, right? Um, and the only way we want to figure out what is actually the best medicine to give for a particular diagnosis is to have enough data to support that, right, and to be able to analyze that data, which means we need to track the data and, and you know, then we get into this whole thing about who owns the data and blah, 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 right. and all other stuff, which we, I think we don't have time to get into now. But I only, my point is data is, is, is the only way for us to get out of this, right? But when we figure out it's the best way to combat the CRT stuff, right? You know, when we say, okay, listen, you know, if, if they're saying that, you know, this is the best way to, um, you know, that, that every, you know, claiming that all white people are racist from the beginning and there's no way you can, we, we can change is the best way to actually get black people into a better position in, in life. Well, the data doesn't support that, right? You know, and there's data that shows that, it, you know, blah, 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 blah. If, if these other things were in place, then yes, black people would have a better life, right? The only way we're gonna refute that is not by saying, oh, our idea is better than yours. It's by saying, no, we have data to back up this and here's actually the best way out of, uh, of your situation right um and bring it back now. so and then with the misinformation stuff the only way we're going to get a, around misinformation because there's going to be so much of it right there's no way that we're not going to stop misinformation from spreading now right you know it's just going to be out there and the only way we're going to stop it the only way we're going to be able to get around it is like you're saying oh, right, by educating people and or having ways that that people can verify the credibility of things right it's just the only way like it's, mm -hmm. it's not going anywhere um, and it's just going to get more of it you know and if like and if you listen to sam harris's podcast most recent podcast mm -hmm. it's pretty scary the stuff they're doing with deep fakes mm -hmm. and all these other stuff yeah. right um but we're not going to it's not going to magically go away right so no nope. 
and, and we're not even going to get away with it by saying, um, you know, by like I, yeah, I used to do with my kids, you know, like I remember when they were younger, uh, my kids are 10 and 11 and 13 now, but um, when they were younger, they had, you know, they started watching YouTube at say four or five or something like um, And they had YouTube kids come out around that same time. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I, you know, I'm not going to force them to use YouTube kids versus YouTube, right? Because I want them to know the stuff that's inappropriate and the stuff that's appropriate, right? And they know that now, right? You know, and are they never going to watch something that's, in, that's inappropriate? No, they probably will, right? You know, um, and I hear it all the time now that they're older. I hear them, like, you know, listening to videos with curse words and things like that, that I would have, that they know that they can't say and things like that. But but they know that, right? They they, they know actively right. that they're watching something that, that that's inappropriate, right? And and they know that if I walked in the room, they'd quickly switch it away because they know that, that that they shouldn't be doing it, right? But if they never saw it, right, then they wouldn't know that I, they shouldn't be doing. I want to I want to jump in on the data thing uh, because I think it's a similar point that you made earlier. It's sort of a trust and reverence that like it'll sort of answer itself, right? If, if the data has this way of, of mugging people with the reality of its truth and veracity, if you go down these certain CRT paths about racism or something, the data, just, you could believe it if you want, but just wait 20 years and you'll see the way it works out and then you'll, you'll learn the hard way or something like that. Um, I think there's something to it, but I think it's a slower and longer and more painful process than you think. Obaid's oh, cl- clearly upset about no, where not. we are at the moment is w- w- with the moment of that conversation. But I'll give you an example. I actually, I was listening. I re-listened to it yesterday. Malcolm Gladwell is kind of a, a little prick, but he has a really good podcast sometimes called <laughs> called um, Revisionist History, and he did one way way back. It was the third episode he ever did about. Um, uh, Rick Barry, who was an NBA player, he's in the Hall of Fame, who famously shot all his, of his free throws underhanded, granny style, as it's called, right? And it is physiologically, the data would support this, physiologically, a much easier shot than overhand, much easier because your arms hang down and he sort of perfected it and much, much easier. And you get this huge high percentage. And you would think if you're an NBA basketball player or you're trying to improve your game, making more free throws would be a good thing, right? And so the story starts with, Wilt Chamberlain in his famous 100-point game, the only person ever score 100 points in a game when he was with the, 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 in Hershey, Pennsylvania. In that game, made 23 of like 32 or 28 of 32 free throws, all underhanded, which is a forgotten part of that, that game. And then he stopped, right? He improved his free throw shooting in a tremendous amount. The data supported it. It was true. It was real. He was making more. He was better at it, but he stopped. Why? Because he looked like a sissy. Right. He just like he didn't have that. And so the whole the whole premise of that and Rick Barry never cared. And the premise of that, how do you explain when the data is pointing in a certain direction very strongly? In fact, you even experience it. Let's use that. Bring it to contemporary terms. Defunding the police, the places that or the Ferguson effect, places that are, uh, you know, experimenting with that are seeing huge spikes in crime. You're literally seeing the data refute the idea that you thought was a good idea. But still, I don't believe that that is magically going to have people like automatically change course because Rick Barry is a certain kind of personality. Then the the entire, um, what explains why people do things that they know is a bad idea and the data points against it in something like shooting underhanded. And it was to this idea of sort of psychological threshold of what is the tipping point when enough people around you start doing the thing that then it's okay for you to do it. Just pure sort of social animal evolutionary stuff. 
Rick Barry happens to have a very, very low threshold. He doesn't fucking care what people think about him. And he didn't care that people thought he was, looked like a granny or a sissy because he's a Hall of Famer and he made all the shots and he was winning games. Everyone could see him doing that and they still didn't do it, right? Even his teammates didn't do it. because. It, but the thing about people with low thresholds is they're oftentimes not very well liked, right? Because they don't care what people think about them. So you get, and there's a lot of personalities in history that have this kind of like, they were assholes. I think Isaac Newton was one of them. Like there's all these people, maybe Thomas Edison, like they just didn't care. And you hear these horrible stories about them of like, that guy's an asshole, but he's actually sort of a genius and figuring something out because he just doesn't care. On the, so on, but, but when is that tipping point? How come not everybody in the NBA is shooting underhand, even though we all know that it's the better way to shoot a free throw? When will that tipping point happen? Maybe if half the league starts doing it, maybe if 10% of the league starts doing it, then everyone will go. There's some sort of tipping point. And you see this with moral attitudes on something like gay marriage or legalizing of marijuana, which seems to be the next one. Something like gay marriage was like, everyone was against it like 60 years ago. I mean, Obama was against it when he ran. It's that recent. And the tipping point was very fast. You look at these graphs and it's sort of like nudges near like 15% are in support and then it skyrockets. And now literally the Pope today said that civil uh, or agreements or whatever between same, like that's how fast this stuff can go. But it's a painful process and it takes a long time and the data itself doesn't really do it. So to your point, Obita, maybe we're on the education question is like, when is the tipping point of this stuff? I don't like, we're having skyrocketing crime rates in America. Everybody wants to explain it with the pandemic as a confounding variable. It might be part of it, but clearly it's part of the Ferguson effect and clearly it's part of the defunding of the police. And clearly you're having people asking for it. That's not going to be, if, if that kind of, why doesn't everyone shoot underhand in the NBA or why don't, um, you know, more coaches in the NFL go for it on fourth down, even though they know the data points that way, is we're not at that threshold yet of, of the social pressure. And that's really to your point, Obite, and where social media companies can, to bring it full circle, maybe play a role is, damn, if you're looking for tipping points and thresholds, you can look in worse places than looking at Twitter to find the pulse of where people are at. You know, it's the comment section of the world. Um, this stuff could, could switch quickly, but, but we're not close to that tipping point on something like the CRT or social media or, or you know, um, yeah. critical race theory or all that kind of crazy stuff that you laid out. Uh, I don't know when we get there, but electing Trump doesn't help it at all. Okay. In no, fact, it makes it worse because it's also a reactionary movement. Okay, I, 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 you know, like I said, I would not. I know you would. Yeah. Like, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> but, but about the data, data thing, I want to bring something yeah. up. Okay. And I'm going to let my inner Luddite out here. Okay? <laughs> I work in tech. Like I said, I, when the internet was coming, you know, like late 80s, early 90s, I go Google and all that, like Yahoo search, whatever. thought it was fucking awesome. I got, you know, the information of the world at my fingertips. But I think we made a huge problem. We treated information and data like all other technologies. Like remember you were talking about that woman in Uganda washing the, her laundry at the side of the yeah, river. You yeah, saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, wouldn't it be great if she had a washing machine, right? Now, I think washing machines are awesome. You know, I, I go throw my laundry in, 30 minutes later, I take it out, throw it in the dryer, it's, it's done. Okay? Like, great. I don't have to fucking take a, you know, like a, like, you know, scouring, whatever. You know, like, I don't have to do my laundry by hand. We treated information like that. Oh, you can get this so fast. It's so easy. Go to Google. Go here. We let the, okay, again, these people didn't act like librarians. Now, I don't know if you remember when you were kids. I remember like first grade, second grade. I, I think up until about the third grade, we were taken to the library in school by our teachers or the librarian was there showing us how to go through the card catalog, how to check references, how to check all that stuff. You know, 
as you as we got older, we were expected to do that on our own and like, okay, you might have to give your bibliography and all that stuff, but the teacher wasn't holding your hand. If we did that with, okay, here's a Google search. This is how the algorithm, you know, like you can start, you know, like my nephew, when he was like 10 years old, could help set up my mom's Wi-Fi because he, you know, little kids, they're, they're figuring this shit out, right? So if you started talking about stuff like that in schools, I don't know if it's done or not. I've spoken to a couple of teachers and it doesn't really sound like it, but you're going to do all your research for this on Google. You know, how do you, I mean, you could do like little stupid things like why is the sky blue and stuff like that. Or, I mean, I, I don't know if there's like a kid's version of Google that you can, you know, mm. maybe there's like science stuff on YouTube kids. I don't know, but you can go through the process of showing them. Like when you go to the library, they say, okay, this is in fiction. This is a nonfiction. You're looking for, you know, something about World War II. So you're not going to go into fiction. You're going to go into nonfiction. They explain all that, right? You can do the same shit here. And again, it's not, you're not teaching kids what to think. You're not telling them which, you know, yes, you're, you're telling them how to evaluate the data and you're giving them the information, giving that toolkit. Now, if the kid after the fact wants to, again, go take the fucking quote unquote science paper that says the moon is green cheese and does his report on that. Now the teacher can give him why that information was wrong. You know, like as part of the grading system, yes, that's more work for teachers, you know, pay them more, get hire better teachers, whatever. But you know, like it's the same way we showed kids how to do research or the same way I learned how to do research when I was a kid, you know, when I was in university, that builds up to what you, those same kind of things have to be taught. You know, you can have it for seniors where like have it in a local library where, where seniors are taught how to spot bullshit online. Like that article you put out from CNN about the deep fakes. Okay. Part of that article spent on how you can check. Okay. It was hard. Yeah. Okay. I mean, no, I, 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 there, I know it's very hard, but again, grandmothers I, are going to be fooled. Let's put it that way. <laughs> oh yeah, sure. You know, I, you know, like pe- people fooled by, by Ben Shapiro and the, uh, whatever the uh, okay what was that singer that there was that stupid singer with wet ass pussy or whatever the song there oh they put okay. ben shapiro in that the they, they, they took ben shapiro's that's face and, and that's it was, how it was, i want defects to be used <laughs> exclusively but okay now okay. and yes they look really authentic they're really yeah I, I guarantee okay matt you're working software uh i bet you there's someone working on the software that will spot those right yeah. and then that could be embedded into that, players yeah. you know Two things I want to say about what you were saying, Jay, and also um, you were saying about it. So the, and this is, I'm going to reference the, the bit, the, the open letter I wrote to, to LetterWiki. Um, mm-hmm. We really have to, in my mind, we have to differentiate between beliefs and ideas. And to me, the, the quick definition I use is, a belief is when an idea is adopted by a group and, it, and, and has enforcement by the, by a group. So it, it can no longer, like if you have two ideas, you can, you can actually, um, ver- like you, you can consider the two of them, you can argue about them, you can figure out which is the best idea. But once an idea is adopted by a group and it becomes a belief, you no longer have the ability to, to argue about the, the nuances of that idea because now it's agreed upon by a group. If you start to question the idea, then the group says, no, you can't question the idea anymore. We've all agreed that this is the idea and now it's become a belief. So what, so there's two things. One, you were saying, Jay, about like, um, 
you have to be able to combat ideas can't be, sorry, beliefs can't be combated with ideas. That's a, it's a bad strategy because again, like I was saying, like the, 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 the belief is never going to, what you're, what, what, what we're trying to do a lot of times is we're, we're taking an idea and saying, okay, you were, we're saying that, that, that they have an idea that's bad and we have a better idea, but what, what they actually have is a belief. And so we're, we're trying to combat that, but they're never going to change their belief because now it's being forced by a group. So the only way to dismantle the belief is actually to dismantle the, the structures that are keeping it in place, like in traditions and, um, and things like that, that are keeping the enforcement in place. And then once you dismantle the enforcement, then you can, then now you're back to the idea versus idea, right? You know, and that's where, like, it's when you have idea versus idea that then data comes into the play that can verify which idea is, 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 is better. I agree with you, you can't combat the beliefs with, with, with data and ideas because that's, that's never going to happen, right? They, they're never going to change their, their beliefs and ideas. So the problem is the CRT thing is becoming a belief, right? And it's being enforced by the, the groups. And so we need to actually fight the, the structure and we need to fight it becoming uh, the enforcement of it is what we need to, to, to fight in order to make sure that then, then we can get back down to, you know, are these ideas worth, you know, worthy ideas and, and what's the best idea to, to have. But I, I really think we, a lot of times, both on the right and the left, people are, are, I'm really trying to, and this is one of my issues. You know, like, I love Sam Harris. I've listened to, you know, whatever, however many hundreds of hours of his podcast I've listened to, right? Um, but he, one of his big things, you know, is that you know, good ideas. Well, well, good ideas should beat out bad ideas, right? You know, and you know, we should focus on the good ideas and, and whatever, you know. But I think he misses this structure of belief that's in place even though he wrote a whole book on like you know on beliefs and whatever but i think there's a the the idea of traditions and um the social enforcement and sometimes even legal enforcement of beliefs that structure that's in place and and you know what you're seeing you say for the gay marriage thing it wasn't because all of a sudden people started to say oh yeah gay you know the the, mm -hmm. the rights of gay people is a better, you know, is a better idea than, than them not having good rights, right? That wasn't what, what caused the thing to collapse, right? It was the collapsing of the, it was no longer cool right. to be part of the group which enforced that idea, right? The belief is, the belief structure is what, the, 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 the enforcement structure is what actually got dismantled. Right. And once that got dismantled, well, then is, it was about, oh, the ideas. I, I, I think, no, I think it's great. I think that there's a lot there. And it's the, you know, I worked with Sam and I, and I know him well. And my, and my constant criticism of him is, is that he doesn't incorporate psychology enough, which is really what you're talking about. And, you know, pure philosophy and ideas, the world of ideas and marketplace of ideas, second time we've used the term now, is a philosophical idea and probably not a human one, frankly, <laughs> because we're social animals and we're psychological animals. And you use the word cool, which is the exact right word. I mean, I'm very much like leaning on the Robin Hanson thing here of sort of sex status and money is, is important to us and status more than 
the other two by far, which is surprising to people, but it's by far the, the, the most important one. And yeah, if your status could, points could go up by being anti-gay marriage, you'll be anti-gay marriage. Or a lot of people will be, in, unless you're on sort of the, the fringes of these psychological movements. So how do you do that? Yeah, I think the structures is interesting. You're talking about how to evaluate a belief, make more scientific thinkers. But what you're really talking about is hijacking sort of the psychological notion of wanting to be cool by being critical thinking, right? Like that's what we need to figure out. How do we make it cool? And for a while there, maybe we all felt it. It looked yeah. like there was that movement happening with when Neil deGrasse Tyson was really popular and we're like, oh, wow, like look at right. all these people who want to be cool by critical thinking, but we missed something big time there. I know Biden knows yeah. the details of when, when it really went off, off the rails. But to that point, how do you make it cool to, to do this? Um, a lot of the most, on something like the gay marriage one, I don't know if you know some of the details of the door-to-door -door stuff, some of the most effective stuff that the data pointed to was literally gay people going door-to-door -door and knocking on the doors of people who, you know, were Christians or thought they were really against this on the belief level, right? I would call it a rule yeah. of thumb, like a rule of thumb, but a socially enforced belief level. I get what you're talking about. They were in that. So immediately they were like, oh, I'm anti that. Without even really thinking about it much, it was just a belief, right? But then right in front of them is this person who's gay and being like, oh, you know, I just I love, and they tell the story, the love story of like falling in love with someone else and just like wanting to like consummate that or whatever. That was some of the most effective stuff, which is a way to maybe pop the bubble of like, is this really that cool? You do need a critical mass of that to overcome, like you're saying, the, the belief thing. So for something like the CRT thing, I don't know if yelling on Twitter does anything. It certainly angers everybody. I don't know how we find the way to make it cool to like not be part of that crowd. It's certainly, at least in schools, I mean, about I have the same horror stories that you know of like high schools that I've worked with that I no longer can't, my alma mater fell down the trap. I mean, it's, I know it's right. pervasive there, but it's very cool to say the kind of crap that, that yeah. you know, we, we've all heard. And how do we make it uncool is the most important structure that I think that you talked about, Matt, more so than anything philosophical. Yeah, I always kind of make this, you know, kind of half, joke, but I'm half serious, like, you know, you would get a million more atheists tomorrow if you told them they could keep Christmas, right? Yeah, you know, Christmas like, is kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, because, like, you know, like, there's so many, like, you know, people who consider them Christians, you know, that, that aren't really applying any of the rules of Christianity, you know, but yet they follow the structures of it, right? Like, they, they, mm. they can't give up on the traditions of it, because, it's too, not, not because they're, they're so even, even because the traditions are so cool, but they're just so in place that like, it's, so, it's just too hard to, to fight against well, those traditions, right? If there, to create if new way, traditions is too hard. Yeah, so if there's a way to like, because we all agree the overarching or the underpinning philosophy framework that needs to exist is a, is a love for critical thinking and engagement with the universe, a secular sort of exploration of, of the world we find ourselves in. Um, and we'd all also agree that the CRT stuff that, again, I think all of us know that it's going to get worse, whether Trump's president. I think it'll get much worse if Trump is president. It's still going to get bad with Biden. And anyway, I have a thread about sort of my 10-year nightmare. I think I see what's coming there. Um, but in order to make it cool, I don't think, I don't know if you're right, direct, directly attacking it is not going to do much other than sort of like gather, gather the teams on either side of the fence. But if we know the the, the framework that pops it is an honest, critical thinking investigation of the universe, which it will. Something like, hey, you want to solve the problem of inequality in America? Great. That's a scientific problem to solve. Here's some tools to answer it. Um, what if you can have them fall in love with the scientific method with something totally 
apolitical and innocuous, right? Like I, I just watched actually that Netflix documentary, My Octopus Teacher. I don't know if you've seen it yet. It's actually oh, really good. So that it's falls in love with the octopus or something like that. Almost. Yeah, it's 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 like it's pretty good actually. It's this photographer who goes deep diving. He's having his like personal crisis. Yeah, it's a nature documentary, but a very personal one. But he very much is falling in love with like discovering the natural world and this one particular octopus. It's pretty good actually. Um, but it's it's like that kind of. I don't know where the energy in the intellectual community has gone for science. It doesn't seem like we we see so few stories of like literally last week. Uh, I was following the story of this this new drill that's been approved, I think by the ESA or maybe it's NASA. They got awarded the contract to drill into the South Pole and the ice to look for ice on the moon. And eventually they want to take that to Europa. Like that kind of shit is cool. How to solve a problem of like, and that's an engineering problem. It's a philosophy problem. It's a scientific problem. If you can fall in love with that and know what you fell in love with, which is not the drill, but the scientific method of how you get under the ice on a moon of Jupiter, which is a cool problem. And it's cool to do that. Hopefully you could keep that same brain when you apply it to a problem like how do we address racial inequality or crime in urban areas that happen to be black in America. And you know the hypothesis of all white people are racist and it's all blah, 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 blah is a bad fucking science experiment. That, that, that it's, a lo- it's a longer game, but I think that's the like strategy you're talking about, Matt. And of course, Obaid, I know you go directly at it. So does people like James Lindsay, who I've already subtweeted in this kind of conversation when I talked about who he gets his money from, because you should keep an eye on it. I'm just going to call him out. It is a Christian fundamentalist and keep an eye on it. If you don't want that in your schools, keep an eye on the unholy alliances there. It drives me fucking crazy that no one talks about this stuff, but go directly at it. Fine. But I think ultimately the way to defeat it is having people fall in love with the scientific method and realizing how unscientific critical race theory is or something like it. Okay. The the critical race theory stuff, intersectionality. Again, I don't want it. I don't want Trump's patriotic curriculum. I don't, I don't want that shit. Right. But the way I look at this stuff is, okay. I am going to equate it to a religion because it is quasi religious. Like, I mean, John McWhorter is talking about it. James Lindsay again has written a couple of papers on that. Now, it is a lot easier to stop someone from converting to a cult than it is to deprogram them. Mm-hmm. So if I can stop my friends and people I know from buying into this crap, and I mean, the only way to stop it is to, you, know, you just have to tell outright what it says, because it says some pretty awful things. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, that book. I, I disagree. Of- I think the only way to stop people from actually going to it is to make it uncool to do it. No, before it they join. It doesn't matter if it, no, it doesn't matter if be, they because they, they're actually not evaluating. They don't know enough about it. To that's what, what I'm they, saying. I, I'm talking about stopping people from converting. I've spoken to my friends. Okay, this is small n. This is anecdotal. Yeah. Whatever. I'm, I'm not saying this is. You know, this is my guarantee. But friends of mine after the George Floyd thing who started talking about white privilege. And white fragility. They'd never use these terms in their lives. They're the same age as me. Like, you know, just turned 51. They're roughly the same age as I am. Never use the term. All of a sudden, they're using it. And they're, they're going on about being anti-racist. So I talked to them and I said, okay, you know, white fragility, here's the book. I, I said, yo. And I, and I said, don't take my word for it. Here's a reading list. If you want, go read these things. And I, and I, I, you know, I said, I told them about Derek Bell's idea of interest convergence. I, I told them about Delgado. I told them about Kendi. I told them about some of the stuff Crenshaw wrote. I told, like, I've, I spent 18 months 
when I was reading about race, I, like, I like literally almost anything I read for the last 15 to 18 months has been critical race theory, intersectionality, some <laughs> gender. Okay. I've read a lot of this stuff so I can point them out straight to what it says. Mm-hmm. As soon as I explain to them, they're like, I don't, they're, they don't want any part of that shit. But doesn't that, but doesn't that prove Matt's point that they adopted it or at least in, in their language because it was cool without even knowing what it was. No. Like the percentage of people using the term anti-racism that have actually read yeah. Kendrick's book is probably lower than the percentage that I said before, of like New York Post to like sharing it on. No, Twitter. no, no, no. Well, that's what I'm saying though. Like the yeah. majority of the people right now who are using it and taking it up are the, the people who've gone to the Scientology place for fun to get an audit. <laughs> now, some number of them are going to go sign away their house right. and then they're going to find out they're broke when they realize that they bought into fucking space aliens coming out of vol- volcanoes. Now, it, that's the same See, thing I, here. I, I, I want to I, stop I, them I, from getting I went to that I a huge rabbit hole about Scientology, so I know a lot about <laughs> it. But, but, it's, um, but the, the key thing about it, though, is it's not, it's not like somebody walks in one day and says, they don't present them with the space aliens, right? I know, I, I know that. It's not like somebody says, so they, and, and, they, and they, what it is, it's all about like, you, mm-hmm. you, you get, it's the coolness factor in a way. Like it's, you get in and you say, oh, this thing, you know, they, they give you some introductory courses that work and you say, oh, this is cool. And then you start to meet some people and then they say, hey, isn't this cool? And you say, yeah, it's part of the cool. We're part, like of the, we're to be part of this group. Yeah. You know, and then the group, the, the group starts to enforce and force yeah. and force and force and force and force. And it's the group enforcement. It's not, none of the ideas are, 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 are good or even like, you know, you know the, they're, and, and they kind of, and they know it as they go along even. Like that's you, you, you a, talk to them and, no, but and that's, it's not that's like exa- they say, that's exactly what I'm saying, though. No, but that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, just yeah. be sick. Like, I just saying, yeah. I'm saying that exact same thing. These people, when they start talking about anti-racism, right after the George Floyd thing, like within a week or two, they didn't know what it's what it meant. As soon as I explained to them, as soon as I went through Kendi with them, as soon as I went through some of the stuff from Derek Bell, as soon as I went through some of this stuff with them and laid out what what it said, they're like, "No, that's nuts." And then they they didn't take it up anymore. These weren't people who they just heard the term like. Mm-hmm. Again, this is Jonathan Rauch's humanitarian threat to liberal science, right? Who doesn't want to be anti-racist? It sounds great, but until you find out what it means. And so I'm not talking about the people who have taken the audit, signed over their money, and now are learning more. I'm talking about the people who have taken the audit, are kind of humming and hawing. Like, so you, you did a deep, right. deep dive into Scientology. One of your friends takes, two of your friends takes an audit, and they both tell you, oh, it sounds cool, and you, you explain everything to them. One of them still says, screw you, joins it. And one of them, you talk out of it. Now, that person who says, screw you, join, and joins it, it's going to take a lot more to shake their beliefs after the fact. If you could have stopped it, right? right. So that, my thing is, I want to stop people before they join this cult. Okay? I'll leave it to the Majid and the Wazes of the world to deprogram them after the fact because it's a much harder job and I'm not qualified for it. I can at least tell people, here's what this is. There's why it's wrong. And... Most people, when I tell them, like I said, these are people my age, when I tell them what, it's, what it means, you know, first they're like, no, it doesn't really say that. And I point them to the books. This is the same shit with Islam. No, it doesn't really say kill apostates. Yeah, it does. And here's, you know. Here's okay, the page. Okay. But now you, you'd mentioned the far right, you know, whatever, James Lindsay's funding, whatever. And again, I don't give a shit about that. You can keep an eye on it or whatever. Okay. Keep an eye but, on it, yeah. No, but just with the Islam debate, there are a lot of right-wingers 
mm-hmm. who read the Quran and read the Hadith, except for people like Sam Harris and stuff on the left, none of these people did. So when a right winger said that the hijab is not a choice, mm-hmm. and a left winger says, well, my friend Yasmin says it is, that's a right wing talking point. Everyone right. got smeared as right wing for speaking no, about no 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 let, let me clear let me clear this up for you because you should really keep a good eye on it because you might have had that experience with people with, with the crt stuff i've also had experience with experiences with it and i think, no, no, I, think no, you, I think you've made you've made like the misinformation point yes no, no, give just, them the real no, I, I i i haven't even like like what i'm mm-hmm. saying about the crt stuff majority of like before i started reading it the majority of like the information i was getting on it were from people like helen pluckrose and james Lindsay, mm-hmm. and then what happened to brett weinstein it was from people on the left. Mm-hmm. Was I think it was a week or two ago, the Wall Street Journal just put out an article saying that the only good criticism or the only criticism of critical race theory is coming from the right. Right. That's bullshit. Right. Okay. And again, tr- because Trump denouncing it, you're seeing that a lot now. Like yes, this, Trump makes it worse. I okay. Agree. No. Okay. No. But right away, instead of looking at what critical race theory is, you're making it about Trump. And that's I'm not what you should. I'm saying Trump makes it work. So here, here, here's why here's why this matters. And you've made my entire point on misinformation. Oddly enough, um, the way that I've been able to talk to people about something like CRT or other things, the avenue, and it's I think I think Matt's point is about talking about the end goals of it, right? And I think this is also what you're saying of like this, what they're saying. This is what the end goals of it. It's that the strategy. It's that you start with the agreement. You start with like, hey, you and I both have similar visions of equality and and equal opportunity for everybody and we agree that there's been a lot of shit and not everyone has the same starting point and some of that is clearly racial residue and all this kind of stuff but we're all trying to get to this end goal and so i'm interested in finding solutions and so are you and so here's why i don't really subscribe to something like the crt stuff or kendi stuff or whatever and i talk and I, I have a database of the police killings or whatever here's why i think it matters to do that kind of stuff um to to be honest about the data because what we're talking about earlier matt of like if we're trying to drive to the same solution we should try to find the best science experiment to run and see what we can learn and try to get there so you i've been able to to without even ever directly bashing crt or this or whatever just focus them on solutions and focus them on how to get there. And yeah, the CRT hypothesis is a hypothesis. And you know, as well as I do, they'll talk to you and you push them far enough and they'll admit that they're activists and they're not scientists and they're not academics, but they're activists. So they'll show that face to you and they, they, have, they have a argument. They have an argument to get to a certain end goal. And I agree with you. I think it is actually a different end goal than the one that the person you're usually talking to at the beginning of the conversation sort of starts with. And so the, the, the method for me has always been, we're all, we just have to be good scientists and find the best science experiment to do this. And so is it true that blacks are disproportionately killed by cops? Yes. But is it true that the cause of that is racism? Well, we can actually, that seems like a hard question to answer, but no, we're not blind and we could talk about those kind of things. Um, are they more likely to die when they, when they meet a cop? These are things that you can actually look at and study. And the only thing we have to do that is, is data itself. Um, yeah, like I never need to bash CRT directly because it's just another hypothesis of how to get to an end goal. And it's just a bad one. And you, and you can sort of trust them to, to do that. Um, but I, in a weird way, have you made the argument for me about the responsibility of intervening with someone who's getting bad information? That, or, or this question, being exposed to more of it is not the thing that diffuses it on, it, on, on itself. 
that it actually can be can, can become cool. It actually can become, you know, more of a whirlwind and raised to that level of belief. You know, have you have you made the point? Is that like fake news about it actually hurts people? Okay, no, but okay, but here's the thing: they're not giving you the fake news about it. Okay, they're they're what people who are here don't you want to be anti-racist? They don't know what anti-racism is. They just heard the term anti-racist. I'm like, here, read Kendi's book, How to Be an Anti-Racist. Read Anti-Racist Baby. I'm like, I, I'll give them the books to read. I'm giving them the information. Mm-hmm. I'm telling them what it is. I'm giving them the information. Like, even give, give them a couple articles. They'll read it, and they're like, this stuff is shit, and they'll walk away for the most part. Now, some people are, oh, yeah, no, this makes sense to be blah, 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 blah. Yes, I'm going to have to take that risk. Same thing when someone says I'm going to convert to, you know, I'm going to convert to Islam because it's the most peaceful religion, it's the most feminist religion, blah 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 blah, right? I'm like, no, it's not. Read this, this, and this. Read the Hadith. Here's the Quran. Here's the Sirah. Here's all this stuff. You can read it. If they read it, I've given them that information. I'm not. I'm telling them what I think of it. I'm saying here is. I'm not hiding. I'm not. When I give someone, when I tell someone to read Kendi and read D'Angelo and read all this stuff, I'm not hiding critical race theory from them. I'm not hiding intersectionality from them. I'm right, giving them exactly. the information, yeah. right? I'm yeah. not. I'm not trying to get them to not. You think believe- they've been given? You think they've been delivered fake news to this point? In a way, no. I know. <laughs> I'm saying they don't know anything about it. All they know is that they want right. to be anti-racist. Yeah. They don't know what anti-racism can, entails. Mm-hmm. I want to give them that information. I yeah. don't think. That, yeah. As I say, the thing is, you're you're combating, like you're combating good ideas with bad ideas, right? You're you you you're saying, you know, anti-racism is a bad idea, and and here's why, right? And so um, now that's great, and that works, you know, sometimes, or you know, even it might even work most of the time with with many of the people you talk to. But the only problem with that is it doesn't work at scale. Right, Idea, ideas don't scale. The only way ideas scale is when they become beliefs and, are, and the belief is what scales it. It's not, it's not the idea, right? The idea that like, a good idea can only, can only infect, we're talking tens to hundreds, tops, right? As, as, as the total number of people who can actually you know, be infected by the idea just on its merits, right? It's only uh, for something to be adopted by any group larger than that. It has to start to become a, a, a an idea that is conformed and is uh, uh, you know that has people putting pressure down on top of it and saying this is this is what we have to believe, and you can't you, can, you can't modify the idea you know once it gets to that point and, and goes further. Uh, so. I, I agree with you that like if you're talking one-on-one with people, then yeah, then you can start talking about idea versus idea and you might be able to get people to, and you might be able to get some people to not believe in CRT if, is that if, if, they're, if they haven't believed it yet. But the way to combat what's going on in universities and whatever, all that stuff now is like, is not going to be based on, you know, because um, most people are like at scale, people don't read Right. Nobody's how many, these how many books. Nobody, nobody, religious books. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like, no. like yeah. they don't read the Bible. They don't read the Quran. They don't believe. They they go to. Ideas don't even matter who, at that point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But but here's the thing. That's not too much information. Then that's not enough information. Right. Someone not reading their holy text. That's not a fact of them having too much information. That's of them not having enough. 
So no, it just doesn't matter. Okay, no, but it doesn't uh, yeah, matter. Okay, yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. you're talking about you're talking about at the college level, university. Oh, what what happens with secret rates? Okay, I'm talking about K through twelve. Okay. This is this is forming curriculum. Now, this this stuff shouldn't be forming curriculum. So if you if you get that out of the curriculum, and you actually go back to old school critical thinking. Okay, I'll use the example of Michaela School in in London. Now, I think some of the stuff that Catherine Birbel Singh does, I consider them a little draconian. Like no kids are allowed to talk in the hallways between classes and stuff like that. But her results, and she's being attacked for her results, by the way. I mean, she's got the best school in England right now, or the best school in the UK. It's basically like the UK version of charter school. And what do they do? They went back to critical thinking. They went back to the three R's. They went back to the fundamentals. Teacher led from the front of the classroom. Again, you can say that's not the best way to teach, whatever, but she's getting results. Like you work, you've worked with some, I think you mentioned you work with a couple of schools where, mm-hmm. I mean, aren't public schools teaching towards the standardized test instead of teaching the curriculum? They're not teaching kids to think they're just teaching kids the answers. As far as I can tell. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, my, my experiences with those schools was, was the same capture that you worry about of a lot of this anti-racism language. And yeah, it's terrible. I mean, I wrote letters to my president. He finally got back to me, uh, which wasn't great, actually. It just didn't go that well. So I did not intervene successfully at that level yet. Um, but it's, yeah, but it's not, the ideas at that point barely matter. They barely register. Yeah, I was hoping, I mean, we haven't talked about social media misinformation in a while. I was hoping to avoid another conversation about CRT and wokeness. Because, but, but I like the, the, um, angle that you brought into it, Matt, of the coolness factor. I, I, li- I think there's something to edit about belief versus idea. I'm not sure what it is yet, because I think there is something about an individual belief that's possible, but a group belief is obviously the thing that scales. Um, and when that sort of takeoff point happens and then how to, to deplug it. Um, but the, the, the topic, maybe we can set this for another time, the topic that we didn't get to really talk to that I wanted to talk to you to abide about, although I think he's crashing, <laughs> um, is... Uh, I'll just, I'll just keep doing it here because I do have to run. He, um, the, inter, the, the intervening, and obviously he's read a lot of CRT lately and it very much shows in the topics that he wants to steer, steer it to and that's fine as a specific example. But the question of what is the first step you do to, to unplug this? Is it expose people to more of these bad ideas? Back to the social media thing. Is, is sunlight really the best disinfectant for bad ideas on themselves? Um, I'm not so sure about that. And you mentioned Sam Harris talking about deep fakes and whatever, that it's only going to get more pervasive, more difficult. I worry about from, again, the philosophical standpoint of where the ultimate responsibility lies. And if we're going to trust people to parse the information, which again would be the ideal setting, and that's where Abide's gone about education, about how to, to create better minds out there. And yes, CRT is one of the toxic, maybe the toxic sort of poison at the moment, corrupting a lot of it, which is the new religion. It's, just, it's not new, right? It's a new religion. We've dealt with this before, not well ever though. Um, how, how do you do that? How do you create minds that, can't, that have their own immunity built into them that they can spot a news story or spot a fake fucking video and then decide what's real and what's not? And we have to admit that false information does carry with it indirect harm. I know the word harm is like triggering for some people, but there is disinformation that leads to awful things, even if it's not a direct sort of threat for violence or whatever. We have to just acknowledge that as a potential harm. So how do you create 
better minds that have that immunity system, the first step for me can't be expose them to more fake news. It can't be. Yes, something like, and something like that CNN, CNN article that went through like how to spot a fake, deep fake video scared the hell out of me because I'm actually, you know, I'm a film guy. I could do it. I got them all right or whatever. But I'm like, this is, this is way too much to ask for the consumer to be able to do this. And yeah, if the answer yeah. is vetting things or whatever, I think inevitably, um, and this is why, as one more thing before I do have to go, philosophically, we haven't brought up China yet, which is maybe a little weird, or we did indirectly, but oddly, China doesn't have this problem because their answer has been censor the shit out of everything. We got this for you. We're not going to ask you to figure out what fake news is. We're going to tell you what fake news is. Of course, the problem is they have their, it's a dystopia. They have their awful agenda behind that, making those censorship things. But this does not mean they're going to lose in the world stage. And I think we are continuing to. So now I'm going to have to run if anyone else has a final thought. Yeah. Uh, well, that's because China is all belief, right? I mean, it, there's, there's no, there's no idea. It's, it's all belief, right? It's, um, yeah, I'd be interested. Like, uh, I'd be interested if you had that piece that I wrote. If you had a look at it and, and give me some, uh, some feedback, if you want, because um, I, I would like to edit it and, and refine that idea. Um, but yeah, I, th I do think that uh, it goes back to the cult thing. It goes back to all these things, you know, like, and, and, and I don't think we're combating it properly, you know, by, uh, by uh, focusing on the, the smaller scale. I agree. Okay. We need to do both. Okay. Uh, yeah, fine. I mean, like, I, I, I look at the realities of things, right? I don't have a large reach. I'm not going to reach millions of people. I'm not going to, you know, best I can do is with my friends one-on-one -on -one or in small groups, sure. right? Okay. That, that, so that's what I'm trying to focus on. Because again, I think we have to start looking a lot more locally because a lot of this stuff is affecting your local daily lives and it's not going to be taken care of via executive order or any of that shit. Okay. It's going to be done. You're yeah. going to have, like, there was a woman I spoke to. She's, her name is Lisa Bildy. She works for the, she, she's a human a civil rights lawyer in Canada. And she works for, I think the, the, the law firm that, or that represented the uh, spas against um, Jessica Yaniv. You know, so the, 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 like the shave my balls woman there, like yep. the, the, the spas she was suing or he, whatever you want to say. Like, okay. The, the, so Lisa Bildy works for the firm or the organization that defended those people. Now the Ontario law society was bringing in wokeness. She went to a couple of meetings. There was like half a dozen people pushing this stuff through. She got eight to 10 of her friends to show up with her. They're all lawyers. They voted it down because these people have nothing else going on in their lives. They, sh they like going to meetings. They like meetings. Like they're, 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 they're awful people. No one likes going to fucking meetings. These people <laughs> do. And so no one shows up. So I, again, like, you know, the CRT stuff or whatever it's, yes, it's just another, but it's taken over everything. And it's not just, yeah. you know, when, everything is racist when you can't teach mathematics because statistics are racist because the statistics might show that there's more crime in the inner city in a black neighborhood than there is in a white suburb. And that fact is now racist. So maths is racist. Yeah. Okay. Like, that, you know, again, the harm thing, like, like that is harmful. And it's kids should yeah. not be taught. Yeah something that is we know that's that's not a way to teach math like two plus two equals five is not a way to teach grade school kids math mm. it's not i gotta run okay, i gotta yeah. run so anyways i'm gonna yeah we're gonna you, read, you read some different material it's getting a little it's getting a little uh one note and there's uh, there's bigger problems in the world let's put it that way much bigger
Yes, there is. And I'll let you go. And I'll <laughs> just finish this one last thing. The bigger problems that we have to deal with, we always had a lid on that crazy. Now we don't have all the resources we used to keep on that crazy, like the church, actual white supremacists, you know, anti-science stuff, all the lids we used to keep on that. All those resources are now going towards fighting this stuff. Okay. There was pushback in the church again, within the church in itself. Like you said, the Pope this morning said civil unions for gay marriages and that there was pushback in the church for some of these things. Now they're fighting the woke takeover of the church. That's happening in, you know, evangelical churches across the South. There's a woke takeover. Yeah. Um, but let's say for, for, for better or worse, if the woke could get any credit for getting that done for the Pope, you ought to say it was a win consequentially. <laughs> okay, I'm not saying the woke did that. I'm saying that the, I know I, 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 what I'm saying is that the resource, like, like Sam Harris would talk about the, you know, uh, the opportunity cost of having to deal with the Reza Aslans of the world when it comes to Islam. Now the opportunity cost of having to deal with the Kendis and the D'Angelo's of the world because of this shit yeah. is all the other crazies going at it. You know, anyways, I, I, I'll right. stop rambling. I'll let you go. Thanks a lot for uh, the call, guys. Yeah. Uh, cool. right. Later. And thanks, thanks everyone for listening.